Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM... Fight Night with Paul Hawksby and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Yes, good evening and welcome to Fight Night here on TalkSport. I'm Paul Hawksby, sitting in for Adam Catherine, and over the next three hours we'll bring you all the very latest from the worlds of boxing and MMA. You'll hear from Tyson Fury, Carl Frampton's trainer Jamie Moore, as well as George Groves and Callum Smith. We'll also get the very latest from promoter Frank Warren and we're joined in the studio by the latest member of the Fighting Ben Dynasty, Harley Ben. Plus Dan Hardy looks at the UFC 228 and 229 and we'll go on a crawl of the great boxing boosters. And as always, this will all unfold in the company of the force of nature that is Gareth A. Davis. Gareth, good evening. A very good evening to you, Paul. Lovely to have you on. I think you're going to be, given that you're not with your normal wrecking partner, Mr. Yeah. Jacobs, you're going to have to be Paul Hitman Hawksby tonight. <laughs> I need a boxing name. You do, the Hitman Hawksby. There what is, you go. What's yours? Um, I'm just the warlock. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I'm Fair just enough. a warlock and I stroll into ACDC Thunderstruck. Oh, or, okay, I'm going to need some walk-on music. Yeah, well, well, should, we, should we work you, out your walk-on you, music as we go on? You just sent out a picture of the two of us and yeah. you, you're in proper boxing pose and I've put the fists up. It's a bit half-hearted. I look far too nice. Well, no, I, I, I look like someone who thinks he's a street fighter <laughs> and you look like a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really not carrying it off, am I? Well, well, what a week it has been. I mean, we've got some very exciting fights to look forward to and we had a, a great night uh, last week in Belfast. Didn't we? Yeah, it was amazing. Obviously, whenever Tyson Fury kind of steps onto any kind of firmament, there's a lot of interest, good, bad and indifferent. Um, he polarises... Uh, people, let alone boxing and sports fans. Um, yeah, it was a big weekend last weekend in in, in Belfast, as you say, uh, with with Carl Frampton, uh, Paddy Barnes, and Tyson Fury all starring. But of course, it was almost the last big event before we kind of go on. We're on recess now till September the 8th when yeah. Amir Khan fights. But that was a big moment because, of course, uh, on the night, Deontay Wilder was there. And, you know, for, for, for the nine days leading into that Belfast event, uh, Tyson Fury's second comeback, of course, uh, since he was away for 30 months, it was Deontay Wilder ringside as well, as yeah. well as Josh Warrington ringside. So there was a lot going on in the build-up to it. And, you know, everything kind of played out as the script, the narrative was made. To. You kind of sensed uh, that that, uh, that was a lovely moment, wasn't it? As part of uh, the ring walk, uh, Tyson cut "Sweet Home Alabama" into the walk walk on music, which got a laugh, uh, and he kind of joined in, didn't he, Deontay Wilder? But they they kind of had a bit of trash talking in the ring. But there seems to be a bit of respect and a bit of mutual understanding that this is going to be a great fight, and they're glad they're getting it on. No, I think there is great mutual respect. I think I think Deontay Wilder's become ve- the, the World Boxing Council champion, of course. He, he helped, just to clarify to any listeners who, who, who don't follow the world's uh, heavyweight boxing scene, 
Deontay Wilder is the American that holds the World Boxing Council title. Anthony Joshua, the kind of uh, the, the nemesis in some ways of Tyson Fury, winning the three belts that Fury did hold when he beat Vladimir Klitschko in, in, a, in a momentous night in Dusseldorf in November 2015. Anthony Joshua's risen up after winning Olympic gold, holds those three belts that Fury held one time, didn't lose them, he mm. had to relinquish them and he was stripped of them. And of course, Deontay Wilder for months has been trying to get a fight with, with Anthony Joshua and he swears blind that Joshua is avoiding him, that there's there's fight avoidance going on here. Well, we'll find out more about that from Frank Warren, won't e- we? Sure exactly, we? later. Yeah. But, but the point being that Wilder and Fury have a deep respect for each other because they've both said that they've signed a contract to fight. We believe it's going to be Las Vegas on November the 17th. I cannot wait. I do think it's uh, a bit early for Tyson Fury. Sure. Um, but you know what? I managed to grab a word with him post-fight uh, in Belfast. And, and I began, Paul, by asking him what it meant to him to regain all those belts in the division. Before it was about being a world champion and winning belts, but when you get the things you crave so much, sometimes you don't appreciate them until they're gone. And now I don't have them anymore. I'm hungry to get them back. So not just about belts this time. It's about winning as well and helping others along the way because I didn't know how many people suffer with what I suffer from and now it's, it's being very publicised with through all sports and all, all walks of life and if I can give back something to the people and help people it doesn't cost me anything to give my time to people although time is the most expensive thing we own as human beings then I will I don't want no credit I don't want no publicists I don't want nothing about it I just want to do it in my own little way quietly behind the scenes. Well, was it misreported this week then that that you could give up boxing at any time? Because clearly you being back in boxing has got you clearly back on track. 100% look, I'm in this boxing now to win and to win the world titles back and to inspire and help other people like myself. So the, the longer I do it, the more people I'm going to inspire and help. So I've got no plans of, of quitting any time soon. I've just turned 30 last week. I didn't celebrate my birthday. I'm not going to celebrate until after I beat Deontay Wilder. And then I'll go on a birthday bash. There we are, Tyson Fury chatting to uh, Gareth last week in uh, Belfast. And, uh, I mean, how's he feeling? You mentioned you don't think he's ready yet. And there is a real feeling that to go in against Wilder undercooked with just a couple of fights under his belt. Well, one proper fight, really, if you include last week. Um, did he talk about that? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's my opinion that he could have more rounds under his belt. I mean, a very interesting video came up this week, Paul, that, um, that, that Fury turned to Ben Davison, his young trainer, just I think it was the end of the eighth round, between between the eighth and ninth rounds against Francesco Pianetta last week. He was a bit of a statue, and he mm. had challenged twice for the world title, but Tyson really kind of owned him in the ring, to use a modern expression, um, and, you know, tried to move around, did a lot of different things. And Ben Davison, he said to Ben Davison, he turned to him between the eighth and ninth and said, shall I finish him now? And, and, and Davison said, no, get the rounds in. So... I wanted a statement from him. I think a lot of people wondered whether he should be making a statement against Pianetta and seeing a, a large six foot five, 18 stone man crumpled in a heap on the ground. Mm. He didn't do that. So a lot of doubts about him. I personally feel he could do with one more fight. He's the man in the know. Um, he's the man that's going to get in there and fight Deontay Wilder, who's yeah. the most dangerous punching heavyweight in the world. Um, I think he just feels ready. I think, he, you know, he, he's a very happy man at the moment. As we heard there, he's kind of finding kind of almost like spiritual and, 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 and human emotional sustenance from being 
someone who people are now contacting over their mental health issues. Mm-hmm. It, and it, and it, in a way, oh, listen, I'd never want to be Tyson's PR guy. Imagine trying to do that job. <laughs> if there's a job you don't want, it's Tyson's PR guy. Because the minute you've got yeah. everyone under control... I think he goes off message he, now he goes, and again. He goes off message. He does now and again, But, but yeah. the point being, that message is just... And there's, there's people that are always going to hate the homophobic misogynistic things that were said you know when he won the world title and they will always hold that against him um but he's definitely and you know i know him pretty well as Mm. you know i spend a lot of time around him and you know he does it's given him a meaning in his life and he said it's going to work for him after boxing to be a mental health ambassador and i think that's great um and it's definitely making him be seen and seeing himself in a different light as opposed to a kind of macho gypsy king if you like you know another side to him um, well, we're going to be hearing from uh, Frank Warren uh, very shortly. More on that Deontay Wilder fight and his thoughts on why why uh, Wilder against Joshua didn't happen. And also, uh, as you said, uh, Josh Warrington was ringside last week watching Carl Frampton. Again, a lot of mutual respect there, but that should be a cracking fight. One of the fights of the year, couldn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I did a poll for Boxing News this week um, and they asked, um, well, not a poll, but a questionnaire asking, what would you, if you were to choose one, there's three pay-per-view events that BT Sports are going to do this year. Um, Gennady Golovkin against uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez from Las Vegas, September the 15th. Um, Supposedly Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, Las Vegas, November 17th. Or Josh Warrington and uh, and Carl Frampton sometime in December. I think they're looking at London or or Manchester at the moment. Um, I I found it hard. I answered Wilder and Fury in the Mm -hmm. end just because there's so much intrigue with that fight. But for pure action, because we've seen Golovkin and Canelo once. I was there. I really enjoyed it. It was brilliant. And I think Golovkin is the better boxer and won the first time around, even though it was a controversial draw. But Warrington... Against uh, against Frampton, pound for pound, action over twelve rounds. That is really worth the money. I think that's a great, great fight. Lovely right hand there from Fury, and he knows it. Nice long right hand there, just over the left hand. Drop that left hand slightly for that. There, Fury seen the gap, and again. Two good body shots from Fury there, and switched the attack to the head. Pianetta says, come on, let's have another go. He's looking for the shot. He doesn't, he's not coming, he hasn't come in here. He's looking for the one punch. But I do like what I'm seeing from Tyson Fury now. This is this is the Tyson Fury of old. Look at the way Deontay Wilder on the far side of the ring next to Shelley Finkel, his uh, advisor, is almost bouncing around. He's almost with every punch in him, isn't he? He's, he's, he's absolutely with Fury in there, and he wants him to come through. He wants him to look good. He wants that showdown. Our referee in charge, Steve Gray, scores the contest 100 to 90 in favor of your winner and still undefeated, Tyson Fury. They called. I answered. I said, send me the contract. They sent the contract. I said yes. And now he gets his chance to fight the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. One thing I promise when I go to Las Vegas is I'm knocking you the f- out, boy. Fight is done. I mean, everybody heard it. We announced it in the ring. Shelly Finkel, everybody, we all agreed it. So the fight's on, and it's just a couple of things to be put together regarding where the, the venue, that's the main thing. And as far as I'm concerned, where, wherever it's got to be. If we all go to Vegas, we go to New York, it's not a problem. Because this guy that doesn't get phased by anything. Our next guest, his new catchphrase, of course, is, it's on. 
Yeah, exactly. He, he gave is. us a couple He's of those man. last exactly. week. He did give us. And it, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the words every promoter wants to say and, and the words every fight fan wants to hear, especially around two great fights. Uh, Frank Warren joins us. Hi, Frank. Good evening. How are you? Yeah, we're good, thank you. We're good. Um, Gareth, I know you want to you want to have a chat with... Uh, you've got a question for Frank. Well, I, fr- I, f- I flew back with Frank from Belfast mm. last week and we, uh, we, we, we we endured the delights of Ryanair on the way home. Oh, but, nice. um, I, I, but I think you're I, I think you're on the grape juice at the moment somewhere in probably in southern Mediterranean, aren't you, Frank? I'm full... Uh, yeah, after, after flying Ryanair, I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, everyone's delighting in the fact, Frank, that uh, Tyson did the job, first of all, last week and got the rounds under his belt. And that interesting... Um, little video clip came out this week where Tyson was asking Ben Davison, his trainer, between I think the eighth and the ninth round, shall I finish him now? And Ben said, no, get the rounds in the bank. And a lot of, not critics necessarily, but people were saying that, you know, obviously Tyson did what he needed to do. He got the win, he got the rounds, he looked fluent, he was focused, but he didn't get a statement finish. Um, What was your take after a few days are you happy he's in the right place to take on Deontay Wilder we believe in November yeah I am he, you know he needed those rounds and I said that from the beginning if you're not the guy in one round that would be spectacular but the bottom line is he needs rounds in the bank he'd been out of the ring prior to his comeback fight for two years and seven months and you know he had to get that ring rust out of his system he's probably still got a bit to get out of him but you know, I, 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 if I, listen, if I didn't think he could win the fight, I wouldn't make it. And, uh, and he's up for it. And hopefully, um, we will be announcing the the, uh, the date in the next uh, week. So, so we we can expect an announcement at some point next week. We're understanding, yes. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. So, um, you know, uh, hopefully it will be done next week. What about this that's, talk that's then? From next. what about this talk then from 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 Eddie Hearn uh, over in the states that he d- still doesn't think the fight's been made? What 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 is all this about then? What and he's saying it's difficult to deal with Wilder. You haven't found this at all, have you? Well, the fight's made. I mean, you know, it's, it's not being made. It's ridiculous. It's been made. Both parties have said that it's made. You know, um, listen. Hearn's an expert on everything. You know, he knows he knows everything. He knows how the business runs, you know. And before him, there was no boxing. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Why do you think uh, Joshua uh, Wilder wasn't made then, Frank? Because they don't want it. Otherwise, they'd have made it. You know, you don't turn down $80 million over two fights unless you don't fancy the fight. They didn't fancy it. And they got the Povetkin fight on now, and uh, which is what I said would happen from the beginning. And that's the fight where they're at. So they've got it on at the moment. And, and I think the fans, by the way, I think they're, you know, they're not, you know, you notice with uh, Joshua's previous fights, they were announced as a sellout within 10 minutes of going on sale. This is not the case this time. And there's reasons for that, but it's not. And I know that for a fact that, um, you know, that they've even been doing a deal with Talk Sport about giving tickets away because for some reason they sent us the email by mistake. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. No, the th- the thing is this: um, you go to America Hello? with uh, hi Frank. You go to America with uh, with Tyson, and you sorry, um, I lost you there. Can you say that again? I didn't yeah, hear that. Let, let's say you, you you go to America with Tyson. He comes back with a WBC belt. The big question people are going to be asking is how does this fight get made with 
you know, obviously, you you have a, 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 a negotiable deal with BT Sport. You have a contract with them to show your fights on there. And obviously, Anthony Joshua signed a long-term deal with Sky Sports Box Office. Is this a Showtime HBO situation, as we've seen in America, where both stations could show the fight? Well, I think I think the winner of this fight is the number one heavyweight because they're the, you've got a lineal champion who's undefeated fighting a guy who's 40 and 0 is a WBC champion. So he win, whoever wins that fight comes out. And there should be no issues about making money. It's a 50-50 deal and get it on. And if it's on BT and on on um, and on and uh, Sky as well, then so be it. You know, the fans don't give a monkey's where it's on. They just want to see the fight as, you know, as do I. So at the end of the day, and it's got to be, I mean, if it's on both stations, and that's a bit being very presumptuous at the moment, if it's on both stations... Why would anybody complain about that? I can't see how anybody would complain about that because at the end of the day, as far as the box is concerned, it means they'll make more money. So so if you if you come back with the WBC belt with Tyson in November, do you expect to fight Joshua in April at Wembley? I've got no idea at the moment. You know, it's, well, let's, let, uh, let's get the, the big one out of the way. You know, while there's no foregone conclusion, it's a tough, tough fight. As I say, he's undefeated. He was an American Olympian. He's a tremendous puncher. I mean, he's taken guys out. He's been behind in fights and absolutely, you know, not some caught them cold and not, you know, not the life out of them. So, providing he comes through that, then that's a, that's a, that's a terrible, terrible situation to be in. And I'll be delighted to be in it to be sitting down having to work out how we get that fight on. One thing's for sure, it shouldn't be a problem. No, no more than it's a problem to agree terms for. Tyson against Wilder. Going to ask you about uh, Carl Frampton and Josh Warrington as well, Frank. We were saying last week that's on. Both guys were, were there in the ring chatting at the end of the fight. I mean, venue-wise, I mean, I'm sure Josh would like it to be in Leeds and uh, Carl would like to be at Windsor Park again. What are you thinking there? Well, they'll have to go on neutral territory and uh, as I said, we'll be announcing that the week after next. We'll be announcing the press conference on Tuesday and then we'll get the guys together and announce the fight. But that, that, that to me, is the best domestic fight out there. Mm. And, of course, I'm promoting it, so I would say that. But you look at it, they're two guys at the top of their game. It's not an old guy and a young guy. It's not like Kel Brooks and Amir Khan, who in their previous fights have been knocked out a couple of times. These guys are at the top of their game. This is a, a, a great British fight, a great fight in world boxing. And I think the winner of that comes out, out of it being... a. In a, in, a, in a seriously, seriously uh, good position, and and you know would be considered to be maybe the best in the world at that weight because these two guys are exceptional fighters. When um, Josh won the title against Selby, nobody but nobody tipped him. He was a massive uh, underdog with a betting and with the with the with the, uh, uh, the critics, the journalists, and so forth. No one fancied him. I fancied him for, for my life. He's a great young fighter. And Carl now is really, having got all these problems behind him, is really hitting the ground running. He's had two, he's had three good wins, but the last two have been quite sensational. So for the fans, that's a treat because you're seeing, as I mentioned, two guys at their best, at their prime, and it don't get any better than that. It's the best domestic British mix-up match-up, in my opinion, uh, out there. Uh, final question, Frank. Who wins tonight out of KSI and Logan Paul? And would you wish? Do you wish you were promoting it? Well, funny thing, we were talking to um, to them at one time. They got in touch with us. I mean, we never got involved in it. 
Um, look, it, it, it is what it is. Isn't it? It's an event, but please, then you know, let's not. <laughs> you know, they won't win a Southern Area title. They don't even get in a position to fight for a Southern Area title. But good luck to them. They're making money, and that's the name of the game. Yeah. As far as that. But please, let's not. Uh, you can't even. I've got guys who just turned pro with both of them on the same night. Well, you know, you know it's big when the boxing board of control. I mean, I got a, a statement from them this morning saying we are not sanctioning this fight, and you know how big something is. But, <laughs> I, but I think what's interesting, I think well, this... they, they did, they did san- sanction Derek Chisora against David Hay, David yeah, Hay. back in two thousand and twelve. But, but I think, but, but, but having said that, they are two proper professional boxers. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Not, they're not gangsters, or whatever they call them. Uh, uh, before we get all the details on that Forest Birmingham game, just one final one, Frank. I noticed you've got a, uh, an event coming up, promotion coming up in Leicester, front and centre. And though you've got some great fights on the bill, uh, Dubois Johnson among them, there's Nicola Adams, front and centre, front of the poster. It's something you probably there she is, effectively promoting the night. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant thing, and it's something you probably wouldn't have imagined ten years ago. Well, it's probably something I would have imagined three years ago. You know, <laughs> keen on the women's boxing. I'm not going to you know, say, but she's a super person. She's a great advert for not just boxing, but for sports. She's a very successful British sports woman or sports person, whatever you call it this day, these days. But she's fantastic. She'll be fine for an interim title, and we'll be announcing the details of that on Wednesday next week. And it's a cracking card. There's a fight on there that for fight fans is something special, and that's Jack Catterall against O'Hara Davis. That is a great fight. Yeah, fantastic fight. So we've got some good fights. agree with that. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us, Frank. We appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Cheers, Frank. Are. Thanks very much. Frank Warren there. Um, and that's uh, Saturday the 6th of October, Morningside Arena in Leicester. That's taking place, that bill. And there we are. As I was showing you, look at Gav. There she is. Nicola Adams, front of the poster. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that what's interesting about Nicola is obviously double Olympic flyweight champion, a real pioneer for women. For the LGBTQ community, I think I got that right, um, and and very much a model professional. The big issue for Nicola is generating an audience, mm. and I think they're doing the right thing by taking her to Leeds, to Leicester, to Nottingham. If they go to Nottingham, I think that's Leicester, isn't it? Yeah, that is um, Leicester. They're, they're taking her around, trying to build a following. She's she's changed her style. Yeah. She used to be a kind of move and jab fighter who who won those olympic titles but she's got much more powerful physically and you know it's hard for women to develop a following um because you know it's a lot of people watch boxing yes the purists watch it for beautiful balletic movement and hit and not be hit but a lot of people watch boxing for explosive power Mm. and i think she's trying to do that and i think they've got their work cut out building a big audience for but she's definitely a star but in a kind of in a left field kind of way but i do hope she makes it as a pro and, and does very well Paul Hawksby in for Adam Catchell here on Fight Night. As always, uh, Gareth A. Davis uh, is alongside us. And uh, Gareth, uh, yesterday you went down to the Landmark Hotel in London and caught up with uh, Callum Smith and George Groves, who are uh, fighting, of course, in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia shortly. They are. The the, the final, the, the much vaunted and slightly late <laughs> final of the Ali Trophy, the World Boxing Super Series semi uh, uh, super middleweight final. Of course, we remember... Big fights it was in February. George Groves defeating Chris Eubank Jr. A lot said by the Eubanks going into mm-hmm. that. And Groves, of course, dislocating his shoulder in the last two rounds of that fight and uh, coming through with it with a very, very convincing points victory and a thrilling fight, actually, uh, at the Manchester Arena. Um, but 
we've had a delay with it. Thank God it's happening. As you say, Jeddah, September the 28th, um, which has brought its own issues with it. But thank God we've got the right uh, final in the end. I mean, the cruiserweight final be- between Alexander Usyk and Murat Gassiev in Moscow a few weeks ago was phenomenal and unified all four, by the way, of the cruiserweight uh, world title belts, which is brilliant, almost unprecedented. And that's what's been brilliant about these tournaments. And so to see Groves and Smith, Smith undefeated, of course, yeah. the WBC diamond uh, belt holder, George Groves, the WBA super, super middleweight champion. Got to get all these titles right because there's so many blooming world titles <laughs> out there. But this is a genuine world title fight uh, for the Ali Trophy. And um, the guy who wins it will have earned £7 million wow. from this tournament. Yeah, it's... It's been brilliantly run, and I think, you know, you'll have questions. Why in Jeddah, won't you? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think a lot of people will be asking that. A lot of the fans who would love to have gone along and seen it in Manchester or Liverpool or London, wherever, will be a bit gutted that they can't get out there. Apparently, it costs you about 130 quid to get a visa, if you can get a visa. And uh, it's not particularly cheap to get there. You can, was... you can you can you can only drink halfway on the flight as well. Oh really? And then, apparently and then they, they close the bar. They close the bar wow. halfway over. Apparently. Do you know they were talking at one point? I remember a couple of weeks ago they hadn't decided whether it was going to be indoors or outdoors, and I had kind of memories of Steve Cruz and Barry McGuigan all those years in, ago, in, a, in a car park. Yes, I mean it's right, going to be indoors. I think it, it, it is indoors. I think it's the King Abdullah, um, not Stadium, King Abdullah Arena for ten thousand people. I mean, funny we're talking about bars, aren't Sports we? Sports City Arena. Sports apparently. City Arena, That's sorry, yeah. 10,000 it's set up for, it's indoors, and um, we're going to talk about boozers later, aren't we? Well, we are, we can, yeah, we'll, I'll tell, we'll come boxing on to that boozers, in the moment, yeah. boxing boozers, we want but, the listeners to tell but, us but, something. But, I, but should, should, there's two things for me, um, for years and years people have talked about events going on in the Middle East, boxing events, and you know, it's very, obviously it's very wealthy over there, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've had things like Grand Prix go there, haven't we, and um, WWE went there in May, um, and and you know there's it's it's a burgeoning market. People pay large site fees. I understand that the the site fee being paid by Jeddah's in the region, Paul, of ten million pounds. Wow. So you know it's significant amounts of money. And yeah, you know it's look we're broadcasting it live on Talk Sports. Um, it's on Sky Box Office. Um, is it worth shelling out the hundred and thirty quid, the thousand quid for the flight, the five hundred for the two nights in the hotel, and the two hundred quid for the ticket? That's tough. Yeah. but I mean, uh, both fighters are... I mean, we're going to hear from both of them very yeah. shortly and, and from Kalasal uh, and the, the promoter. Um, they must be a bit concerned that the atmosphere might be quite what they would get over here if they would have it in this country. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it made me recall... I remember talking... I wasn't at this fight, but I remember Colin Hart, the doyen of our boxing writers in Britain, the, 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 the Sun columnist, telling, telling me how he'd, he'd covered the... Um, the Chris Eubank fight in Cairo hmm. and very very few British fans had uh, had gone and there was you know like a uh, a trickle of applause around the around the boundary because it was just army cadets <laughs> who'd been bussed in to fill the arena and I <laughs> and I wonder in this instance where whether outside friends and family of the two fighters um, whether whether it will be a kind of very unusual crowd I mean hmm. I went to I remember going to um I'll tell you about it later. I remember going to a football match in, in Tehran years ago. Yeah. I remember we'll talk about it when we talk about uh, who's going to be ringside, why, where, and how they're going to get there. But um, look, it's not ideal, um, but this tournament has provided, I mean, I said the money at the beginning, £7 million for the winner, £5 million for the guy that loses in the final. Mm. It's really significant money. 
the 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 WBA super belts on the line, the Ring magazine, you know, their prestigious belts yeah, yeah. has been put on the line as well, and the Ali trophies on the line. So for the two guys involved, it's just something a bit different, isn't it? Sure. Know? Let's hear from the fighters, shall we? Callum Smith, I think we're from first, and of course, who is just pleased after all this time and the delays and the fact that this is his first shot at a world title that the fight is finally going to happen. It's been a long time coming. I've been. This is where I've always wanted to be. It's where I've always visioned my ability could take me to, you know, fight for world titles and win world titles. And over the last two years, it's been a little bit frustrating. That, you know, becoming a bit of a, a running joke. You know, are you going to get a, you know, another final eliminator? Are you going to get a title shot? And I started to question myself. What do I have to do to get a world title shot? And then when George's shoulder come out, I was sitting watching with my girlfriends. Thought, not a chance. He, he, he's going to pull out, and I'm sitting without a world title shot again. But. Thankfully, he's had good rehab and he's fit and well, and you know, the fight's happening. And it's a it's a great fight from for me personally, from a neutral, from George. I think it ticks all the boxes, and you know, I'm really looking forward to. It. Not just the WBA um, super middleweight belt, but also the Ring magazine belt. Yeah. And you you guys went face to face, eye to eye today. Yeah. What was your feeling? Yeah, no, I feel good. I've I say it, it's not like some Americans coming over and I'm having to find a bit about them. I've knew George Grove since. No, I remember seeing him in a schoolboy final in um, I think it was Dagenham <laughs> seeing him in a junior AB final in Barnsley I, I knew of him and followed his career for a very long time and, and then turning pro as a super middleweight you start to study it a little bit more and now I know a lot about him and I've always said for a long time it's a fight that I've always liked for myself stylistically and I finally got what I wanted and it's my chance to become a world champion. And he kind of put you tried to put you down a bit at the press conference day, saying, you know, it's an ordinary fight. I don't see, yeah. you know, it's just going to be a routine victory. Is he trying to play mind games with you, do you think? I think so, yeah. And I think, you know, he always tries one way or another to, you know, I've seen with the Jamie Cox one who's saying he puts, you know, the easiest fight first in the tournament. And he's always kind of had that thing and it may be what he thrives off. But you know, I've always said I don't need any of that. I don't need any trash talking to motivate my, myself for a fight I, I get in I do what I'm good at and then that's that it, it, it's never been anything personal for me and he can try all he wants to put me down but it's not going to affect me or my performance I'm still going to get in there and do what I do if he's expecting it or if he's not then no that's down to him but I'm there to go there and you know, take him out and take his world title. Do you want to be the king of king of Jeddah on September the 28th, basically, with that belt, the crown, the ring magazine, come yeah. home happy, big smile on your face, and a lot of millions in the bank as well. I mean, that's what's been brilliant about this tournament. Yeah, as well. no, listen, I can't knock that, and you no, know, the financially the tournament's been, you know, fantastic, and but it's it's never been the the mo- motivation for me. I've always motivated myself on becoming world champion, and you always believe that become a world champion the financial side comes with it and you know, this tournament's ticked all them boxes for me and come through George Groves and then I've achieved everything you know, I set out to do so then you've got to hold on to the belt for 10 defences yeah that's the plan that, no, I, that's I, what's good about this though because you are ready in that sense at 28 and with these yeah, fights and yeah all. that's what I was saying before you know, the, the weight's probably done me good because now I feel I'm good enough to go in beat George Groves and then I feel I can take on all comers and you know, the super middleweight's a good division you look at the other champions but if I was facing either one of them next week, I'd let walk that ring believing I was capable of beating them. So now I'm in a good place and I've just got to seal a deal, get this first world title and then we'll see after that. But the ring magazine, it's it's a belt I've always liked since I was a kid. And I've always said, you no know, different boxers set the bar at different levels. So what do you want to achieve? And you no know, man was to become a world champion, but you can be a world champion and rank number eight in the world. And are you champion of the world? Not really, but you can still say you're a champion and my aim is always to be the number one and I can do that with this fight.
It's Callum Smith there. We hear from George Groves and from uh, Calisale and the promoter uh, shortly. Just very quickly, I uh, remember a feature you did about three or four years ago with uh, the, the Fighting Smith's mum, with Callum's oh, yeah. mum, just before Paul was had his rematch with Arthur Abraham in Germany. And you went and met the mum. It was a fascinating piece, a real insight into what it's like. It must be so difficult when you've got what, four sons who are professional boxers and she... She wouldn't watch. She wouldn't go, would she? Well, I, I remember sitting with Margaret, and um, obviously there's Paul, Liam. Sorry, Paul, Stephen, Liam, and and Callum. Yeah. who we were just linked to there. Mondo, as his nickname is, because of the n- mutant ninja turtles. He, he was called Mondo. <laughs> lovely man. He's a very, very lovely young man. Twenty eight years old, coming into his prime. Um, Margaret went to see Paul, the eldest of the four the oldest of the four, um, boxing in the Commonwealth Games, and he knocked out a Canadian kid, and she said, and he was an amateur then, obviously, she said, when this kid hit the canvas, I just thought of his mother, and it was my son knocking him out, and I ran to the toilet, and I was so sick from the sight of it. And you imagine all four of them, all the way through the amateurs, for the last 20 years, pretty much, 20, 25 years, she, and their dad's a, a he's a huge specimen as well. Their daddy, a real physical, very muscular man. I think he was a I think he was a powerlifter or a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. She's cleaning kit the whole time, of course. And whenever one of them fights, she's she's always tried to avoid watching it. She's been at traffic lights and she's seen it on in the pub, <laughs> <laughs> on pub TV. Yeah. She's been at bingo and people have run over. So what she, she for years she. There were always people trying to come. So what she does now, all the phones go off, all the radios go off, all the TVs go off in the house. She goes to bed. She's there with the with the boy's little sister. Um, and she just waits for the text after right. the fight to hear their, their well. I mean, you know, the, being the mother of a boxer must be extraordinary. Sure. Having four boys all at world level as well yeah. must be incredible. She's lovely, Margaret, though. Lovely. We'll hear from his opponent, George Groves, uh, very shortly. It's uh, Paul Hawksby, Gareth A. Davis on Fight Night. Yes, Fight Night with Paul Hawksby and uh, Gareth A. Davis. I'm sitting for uh, Adam Cattrall tonight. And we'll hear from George Groves a little bit later on. Uh, we're going to be joined in the studio in the next hour by Harley Ben. He's 4-0 at the moment. Fifth you, Harley. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's that, that great dynasty of Ben's. And uh, I've had Harley on on TalkSport 2 before, and he's he's a fantastic young character. You were pointing out to me earlier, and I know you'll want to ask him, barely an amateur fight. Well, he didn't and, fight as an amateur. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, it's oh, he'll have had a few amateur fights, believe me. <laughs> no, I don't think there's a question about You wait till he comes in here. He, He's a, he's a he's a he's a man with electricity in him. You can feel it. But uh, but it, how amazing, isn't it, that yeah. uh, so many sons of boxers take up the sport? Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Uh, anyway, we will uh, catch up with uh, Harley after eight o'clock. But first, Callis uh, Allen, who is the promoter of the big fight between George Groves and uh, Callum Smith, uh, Gareth had a chat with him yesterday. He had this to say about any visa issues some fans may have in getting over to Saudi Arabia. We've just come from a, a World Cup in Russia where you also have to get visas and fan passes and what have you. Uh, I'd say look on our website, there's support on there uh, if you want to travel over. Um, it's not as difficult as people think it might be. Uh. No, of course not. And it's, it's, there's a, obviously there's a visa process, it's a, very, it's, a, it's a very informal process, though it's a very quick process. And um, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a Champions League, you know, and if, uh, if this year um, Tottenham would have played Liverpool in the final, uh, it would have still been in Kiev. Mm. So 
Um, you know, unfortunately, that's the way it is. Uh, it's a, it's, we're a global village, aren't yeah, we? Of course. Yeah. I mean, if this was a one-off and I was promoting it uh, under Team Sowland's banner, it would be uh, it would be in Liverpool or in in London mm. or maybe even in Birmingham in the middle. But mm. this is not. This is the Champions League. It's the best of the best. We just saw the final in in Moscow. Uh, sensational final, twenty-four thousand mm. fans. There's going to be ten thousand fans in in Jeddah uh, uh, in a sold-out venue. That's for sure. And um, you know, it's a, it's a great platform. It's a new venue. It's look. If you look back in, in boxing history, you look at the things like Frida and Manila. You look at uh, Rumble in the Jungle. These are places uh, you never expect boxing to go to. And boxing is something. It's a global sport. It's not de determined by a league. It's not determined that you know you got to play at home or you got to play away. Mm. You know, this is a, this is about you know bringing boxing to the fans all over the world, and and a relief for the World Boxing Super Series as well. I imagine that it, it is George Groves and Callum Smith in the final. You didn't have to kind of bring someone else in at the end. Yeah, I mean we're, we're not quite there yet, Gareth. Uh, it's not fight day yet, but, <laughs> um, but but fingers crossed we will we'll have the final. Um, with those two names. If not, um, this won't move fr from that date. Um, there is a reserve. It will be announced very shortly, and um, and that is, uh, you know, that, that that's the case. The final will take place on this date, and, and it's for fans. It's a 9 p.m. razor sharp start with the walk-ins. UK time on a Friday night. So get used to that. It's straight after work, Friday night, tune in ITV box office or listen to it on Talk Sport. Lovely. Um, and obviously um, your cruiserweight tournament culminated with a championship win with all the belts for Alexander Usyk. How is the... I mean, there is talk of him potentially fighting Tony Bellew in the UK and Dillian White yeah, and, yeah. and Anthony Joshua, maybe. Well, all, great fights, all great fights. Uh, all great fights. I think, I've, you know, what I've heard, I've, I've spoken a couple of times with Eddie, I've spoken a couple of times with the other side. We're obviously interested about the belts because uh, we've got a cruiserweight tournament again this season. Um, you know, he's, he announced next to me in Moscow that he will go up to heavyweight. Uh, perhaps he does one more fight at cruiserweight. I don't know if Tony still makes cruiser, but that will yeah. be, a, I think it's an interesting fight against Tony. But uh, either way, you know, he's, he's, he is going up to heavyweight. He, he confirmed that. And uh, whether he does a fight on the way up or not, we expect all the belts to come into the tournament. We've got the number ones and the number twos in every single sanctioning body going into this tournament, four, season yeah, four, two. Three, it's so amazing. it's going to be, this is going to be hot, hot, hot. Add to that the bantamweights, add to that the super lightweights with Josh Taylor, with Ryan Burnett. This is going to be scorching again. Callisal and there is promoting that fight as he said. Listen to it on Talk Sport. It uh, is uh, live Friday, September the twenty eighth, nine p.m. sharp. Um, you know the great thing is he's been a promoter there. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a bit um BSy to say that it's a, it's it's abroad. Yeah. Um, but the two biggest fights in history, the Rumble in the Jungle and Thriller Manila, were yeah. abroad because that was Muhammad Ali, Ali and he was yeah. a. You know, George Groves or Callum Smith are never going to be the global figures no. that... Um, I don't mean to be rude to them at all by this, no. by the way, but, you know, he was as famous as any president, prime minister, pop star in yeah. his time. The biggest names. But, you know, he makes a good point there, and it's the first big, big fight in... But first fight of, of, of boxing nature in, in Saudi. So it, it's a great thing. And as he said there, the boxing World Boxing Super Series has done a great thing. And if we get Alexander Usyk against Tony Bellew in the UK later this year, wow, what a season we got coming up. Let's hear from George, shall we? Yeah. Uh, George Groves uh, caught up uh, with Gareth, or should that be the other way around? <laughs> uh, yes, well, he, he probably felt honoured to talk to you. Yeah, right. But uh, here they are, together at last, Gareth A. Davis and George Groves. Uh, George, um, finally, you're here. It's the press conference. 
shoulders fine, fight's going ahead. You must really be so pleased to be back because you must have wondered at some point, am I going to fight again? Uh, yeah, I did, I suppose, for, some, for, for, for a little while. Um, it was very, uh, yeah, there wasn't much information coming out in terms of when the date was going to be, uh, where it was going to be. But then, um, like anything, it happened. There we go. Right, we're on this date, uh, this this venue, and uh, and the fight's on. So that was a big big relief, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's lovely. It's good to go. You won the world title at the fourth attempt. Obviously, you had a terrible kind of emotional kind of pain to go through with the two Froch fights, the Badu Jack fight. I was at them all with you. Um, but you win the world title. Your life changes. You know, a big relief came over you. You've talked about it being the hardest thing physically to come back from the shoulder and how you've had to build your shoulder up, but it's transformed you in some ways, it appears. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it has, it has, you know. Um, I've, got more, I've got more to give to this sport, do you know what I mean? I've got, I've got, I can't walk away without finishing the job. Uh, and I've had injuries before and sometimes you go in you see the surgeon he fixes you right up and you walk out right as rain sometimes you have an injury and you see the physio yeah go for a bit of discomfort for a, a couple of weeks maybe a month and away you go this has been a, a constant battle to get back fit um, you know you have you have the surgery and don't get me wrong this shoulder's never going to pop out again like the way the surgery is explained it's now bulletproof and the shoulder itself isn't too you know isn't too painful you know on its own but then once you start to use it and start to punch with it um, it's that concrete to start with so first you've got to get the uh, the range of mobility back then you've got to get the strength back and then you've got to get the signals back from the brain to the muscle to the tennis to tell them to work basically and um yeah it's been agony you know you know you see you see the, the physiotherapy the chiropractic the you know the osteopathy all these different people um they're all uh you know trying to get you back get you back working and um it's lovely now to finally be in that final phase where i'm pretty much pain free you know um I see, I see my physio and we lay on the bed and the simple thing is that he puts, puts my arm above my head and uh, I couldn't do that for wow. so long. Wow. And now, uh, yeah, now it's, it's simple. It's just, it's just a, a routine stretch um, to, go, to go with some other stretches. But um, yeah, it's just uh, like you go in there dreading it. You're sweating more in a session because uh, I don't know if it's just the panic of the pain that's coming or the actual pain itself. But... Um, no, as I say, we're in a we're in a great place now. I'm back sparring, full sparring, and it's working. You know, it's uh, everything. I'm no longer thinking about the left arm, the left shoulder. So when you first come back sparring, you're thinking, can that jab reach? Can it not? Will it hurt? Will it this? Will that? Can I throw a hook yet? Can I not? Now I'm not even thinking about the left arm. I'm thinking about the second phase, the third phase. What's coming after this? How to set things up? It's just. It's good to be good to be alive. Good to be good again. You're clearly sparring because I can see the bruise under your right eye. I don't know if that's your sparring partner sitting next to you. No. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. He's nodding. No, he isn't. But anyway, um, look, you're you're the champion now. You know, the Ring Magazine belt's on the line as well. You're fighting this young, hungry challenger who's been waiting, been watching you for years. So you know you need to be on your game in Jeddah on on September the 28th when we broadcast it live on on Talk Sport, of course. Well, yeah, you know, I think uh, I, I I am now that 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 guy who takes every fight 
for, for what it is, it's just a fight, you know. For me, it's always just going to be just a fight and prepared to the very best ability. Mate, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't need to do that. But at the same time, make sure that every box is ticked and that you're, you, you know, you're going to be on form. Um, I like fighting people that I feel like I know. I've seen. I've, I've boxed his brother. You know, I've, um, I've seen. I've seen Callum. You've uh, hit that DNA before. Yeah, you know, and that was a good. That was a good outing for me. And you know. Paul Smith, you know, he's, he's a pundit now on TV. He's a he's a knowledgeable chap, and you know, he's a truthful guy. He said, oh, "I didn't," you know, when your jab was flying out at me. He goes, "I thought, all oh, right, uh, don't try and slip back. It's too quick. Going to block that." And then I hit with the next one. He's like, "Okay, he's too fast for me to block. What do I do now?" And then you know, come the second, I think he had a, he had a little splurge at the end of the first round. Uh, and second round, he's gone. And he must have gone home and told his brother about that at some point. They must have had that discussion. Uh, he must say, what does it feel like? You know, Callum must have asked him. I know it was a while ago, but what does it feel like? Or he has already asked him, you know, and he remember. Um, of course, Smith, uh, Callum Smith is a totally different um, kettle of fish. Uh, they, they look totally different. He's about, you know, six inches taller or something, but um, he'll know. He'll know, he'll think, he'll feel it. And it's been a long time that Smith has been talked about as the next coming, but hasn't come. And it's, a, it's difficult uh, to be talked about and not make that, not make that step. You know, you know if, you're a, if, you're a, if you're a racehorse, but you never, they never let you race, you're going to go lame. You know, and it's the same, we're no different. You know. So can he make the step up now after all this time? I'm sure he believes he can. Um, I hope you can. I still don't think it's going to be enough. Brilliant. Thank you very much, as always. Cheers, Gareth. Thank you. There we are, George Grove uh, chatting to Gareth A. Davis uh, yesterday. That fight, as we've been saying, is live on TalkSport, 28th of September. Uh, George Groves versus Callan Smith. Got loads more to come. We've got some stuff to run past you as well over the next couple of hours. But Harley Ben will be with us uh, very shortly in the studio to uh, part of the great Ben dynasty, of course, of fighters. And 4-0 at the moment, fifth fight just around the corner. We'll look at his career so far, look to the future and uh, get his thoughts on the British boxing scene as things stand. It's Paul Hawksby sitting in for Adam Cattrall on Fight Night with Gareth A. Davis. Well, his dad never used to hang around. <laughs> See what Harley does. Nice body shot from Ben. The right hand there as well from Ben. Harley's looking to, looking to find some big shots here, keeping the pressure up. Referees having a close look. He'd like to see something coming back from the Slovakian, and nothing is. Almost looks on the cusp of stopping it, and he has. He has stopped it there in the second round. Nothing coming back. And Harley Ben gets the stoppage win that he wanted. I'm my own fighter. I said this. I I, I don't try and, and and be like him. We we two completely different people. Um, I'm just at the start of my journey now, so I'm learning on the job. I'm learning every day uh, with the help of, of of all the other boxers in the gym. Um, so I try and take a lot of their styles and sort of put it into one. There we are, the story so far with uh, Harley Ben, uh, the uh, son of Nigel Ben, half-brother of Connor Ben, and uh, 4-0 and at the moment, so his fifth fight is coming up shortly. And we're delighted to say he's joined us uh, in the studio here at TalkSport on Fight Night. How are you doing, Harley? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, we're, we're great. And uh, yeah, appreciate you coming in on a Saturday night. No, thanks for the invite. 
Now it keeps him out of trouble. I mean, he's, he, yeah. he's just getting ready for a fight. So sad. Yeah. He, he told me that him and his mate Archie is here doing all the social media. Doesn't want to be mentioned, really, Archie. <laughs> so gonna, so he's supposed to be somewhere anyway. else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just saying they went for a meal in Canary Wharf. And, like, you know, it's difficult leading up to a fight, isn't it? Because you, you're ready to go, I imagine. You're, not, you're only eight, nine pounds off. Yeah. You're, you're desperate to go again. And, you know, you, you've got to fill the hours. So coming and doing things like this, this far out, is fun, I imagine. Yeah, of course. I mean, it gets when you're um, when you're in camp, you've got to be uh, disciplined, is strict, um, and, it, and it can be boring. I mean, the training part isn't so boring, but the the, the parts around training um, can be. I mean, the staying in, especially at an age like this, at 21 as well, yeah. when all your mates are out um, doing things that you can't do. But I always have an after party after my fight, so I look forward to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I look forward to that. And, so you get um, four parties a year, basically, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 literally. That's it, I but mean. They're, but they're good parties. Yeah, they? exactly. They're look, probably, at look at them. These yeah, two yeah, are like, they, yeah. look at these two young hipsters with their tattoos. <laughs> they, could get, they could be anywhere in the Midwest in America. They could be in Vegas. He's got his yeah. cool hat and on. And they're sitting with us. In I, 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 that's what I was saying. Where are you boys going out tonight? Because can I come? Can I be the mad uncle that yeah, you know, you'll drag them down. Uh, Harley, obviously boxing in the blood, but uh, you kind of you came to it pretty late, did you? You were a pretty decent footballer. You you, you had a chance. Was you a sort of West Ham as a kid? Yeah, I was um, between going back years now. Between the ages of sort of eight and twelve and thirteen, I was with Arsenal and West Ham development squads. Mm. Um, that's that was my, my sport. It was um, boxing. Um, didn't really come into my life. Well, I say come into my life. It, it's always been a part of my life. Um, because of my family but mm. um, it didn't really take a big part in my life until 2016 mm. yeah I was about 18 I had no amateur career so what made you what made you suddenly start boxing what was the kind of catalyst what was the reason you did it I'm a I'm a very I, I mean I've obviously had it thrown in my face most of my life oh why don't you be a boxer why don't you do this I was I was very in love with my football um, and the reason I stopped playing football is because I broke my leg in about four places right. Um so it came to an end, my football career. Um, Not playing football, though, was it? No, it wasn't. It was on a little scooter. Oh. Um, yeah, it was a nightmare, oh. honestly. Maybe it's um, fate. You look yeah, new. exactly. Mm. Who, who knows? But um, I remember. What type of footballer were you? I was a, a very attacking footballer. I used to play football with Archie. He still thinks he's better than me. But, <laughs> I mean, he, but yeah, I was a very, I was, a, I was an attacking Quick. footballer. Yeah, midfield. Yeah, no, I was a striker, okay. and then I ended up in goal somehow. I don't know. I don't know. So I kind of been yeah. knackered. No. So did you? Who else was in that development squad? You any other kind of guys that came no, through there with was, you? No, there wasn't um, anyone that I can think of now who are playing for first teams right. and things like that. So it's just a stage before the academies and things like that. Yeah. So um, I mean, a lot of people would think you might run a mile from boxing, mm-hmm. but you know, because there's that kind of weight of expectation mm-hmm. with half brother and your dad but yeah you kind of yeah, there you, are. you ran towards it you wanted to do it so. yeah I mean I was after my football career ended I went I went um I was hanging around the wrong crowds and doing things teenagers shouldn't be doing and stuff like this which I've mentioned before hmm. um and then I, I got a bit older started working I liked my job but I was still sort of hanging around with the wrong crowds doing things I shouldn't be doing so I thought you know what I'll give it a try, but not for. I, I didn't think oh, I'm going to become a professional boxer. That's not. That's not how it started. I just wanted to do it as um as a hobby. Yeah. Um, and then I I, I did take a, a a massive liking towards the sport. Um, it taught me a lot of discipline and stuff like this. And mm. then um, I was just training, doing some fun bits just for fun. And uh, and then it got 
I went down to um I, I said to my mum one day I, I want to take this serious I think I, I think I can do it um I know I don't know I don't know what to do they were like how do I go about it um so a friend of a friend put us in contact with Frank Warren's office mm-hmm. um it's not like I went there and got a professional contract at all yeah. it wasn't the case they um put me with a trainer um and they've um they developed me in the gym that's mm-hmm. how I, I was learning on the job um in a professional stable of fighters um Sanjeev Sahota, Hamza Shiraz, um very well seasoned fighters, Lee Markham, uh, Billy Long. Um and I was just learning um from them all sparring them. And then um about a year later we went back to Fr- uh, Frank Warren's office. Um Andy Aylin is my manager mm-hmm. out of the Box Nation office and we went to apply for my pro license. Oh. Um people from the boxing board of control had to come down and give me an assessment because I hadn't had any, any amateur yeah, It's pretty there. unusual yeah, that, isn't it? Is, it, it, it yeah, it is. Um it is. I, I I mean I don't know I don't think I know anyone whose first fight was a professional fight. I mean yeah. I didn't have any sort of warm up fights or anything like that. It was literally just sparring um in the ring and then yeah i made my professional debut um 24th of february 2017 fantastic yeah it's interesting you know i'm looking at you there you've got your cap over your eyes and i can really see your father you know because i I was thinking when andy was asked when when paul was asking you just now about um you know um what made you take it up and i and i was through my head was you know your dna and Mm. you know i mean i i don't know I, i know that there's a complex relationships that was complex in families when when being parents do split up and so on but yeah. um how much does dad support you and how much how much does doing it mean a part of your relationship with your father has developed as well because you know he's been through a very similar thing yeah of course i mean me and my dad have had a very rocky relationship for uh, for as long as i can remember um up and down um seeing each other not seeing each other um he's always he, he, we haven't ever really lived in the same country he lived mm. in Mallorca and then he emigrated to Australia about 5 years ago um i mean yeah my dad my, my dad's relationship it is complicated and it's quite hard to explain mm. um if i'm honest um he's my dad and uh, and 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 i respect him for for being my dad um he was an amazing boxer i can't i can't take that away i mean i was i was born the year he retired so i never got to watch anything live but from the studying i've done and the history i've watched i mean the eubanks and them sort of fights it was yeah he was an amazing boxer and um yeah it, i suppose it's when when i when i box and when i'm sparring certain people be like oh i remember your dad because i mean trainers um that train me mm-hmm. their age is sort of my dad's era so they see they, the shapes you're making because yeah, you make similar shapes to him don't yeah, you? of course yeah, 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 yeah i do similar yeah, things yeah, and they'll yeah. say oh you look like your dad whilst you threw that mm, left hook or mm. so and so and you look like your dad anyway yeah <laughs> you know what <laughs> my mum my says that she says when, yeah. when we're in an argument she'll he's just, a very handsome man your dad as well <laughs> just so you know that i'd say i'm better but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um you yeah. say about your mum. Yeah, I was saying about my mum. My mum says I look, how much I look like my dad, and um, we'd be arguing, and she'd be like, "Get out of the room! You look like your dad." Like, oh, <laughs> literally, literally, I wouldn't have done anything wrong. She'd just look at me and tell me to get out of the room. Wow. So did yeah, you, did she want it. you to fight? Oh, um, she... No, she didn't at right. first. Um, she didn't. I mean, I, I think if uh, nine nine mums out of ten. Um, their son told him that they was going to be fighting. I think they wouldn't like it. Hmm. Um, but my mum knows I'm very impulsive. If I want to do something, I'm doing it. Um, 
so she can either support me or mm-hmm. not so sure. i think and, and she would do it my mum's a very supportive mum she supported me for everything so she would support me through the boxing as well um I, I do it i do i do a lot of this boxing for my mum anyway i'd love to be able to give my mum a really nice life and my family so it's um yeah she's a big part of uh my team do you get any encouragement from dad though as well um depends if we're arguing or not <laughs> um if we if we i mean i i i did when at the start of my career um and then I didn't want to let the family politics get in the way of my career. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to, to create my own path in the, in, in the boxing world. And people say to me a lot, do you find it um, that there's a lot of pressure on you and stuff like that? And um, do you know what? I don't because, I mean, there's only ever going to be one Nigel Ben. There's only ever going to be one Connor Ben. There's only ever going to be one Harley Ben. So uh, no matter what abilities... Um, I, I, I just personally think that um, what will be will be. I mean, if I, I, I think every boxer's dream is to become a world champion. Um, so if I can get there, I can. Great. And I'll do my best I can. So Harley Ben's in the studio with us. We're going to uh, chat more uh, shortly. It's Paul Hawksby and Gareth A. Davis here on Fight Night. Paul Hawksby and Gareth A. Davis here on Fight Night, sitting for Adam Catchell tonight. Uh, Harley Ben is with us. He is the son of Nigel Ben. He's 4-0. He's got his fifth fight just around the corner. We'll chat about that a little bit uh, later on. His brother, his half-brother, Connor, of course, is also a fighter. And uh, we've spoken before about the Klitschkos, and you ask a Klitschko whether he'd ever fight his brother, and he, they always say, would you break your mother's heart? And that's always their answer, isn't but it? But basically, we've been matchmaking in the break. <laughs> <laughs> we've been trying to force this fight. Forget about Logan Paul and KSI right now. How big would be Conor Ben versus Harley Ben, yeah. or Harley Ben versus Conor Ben? They'd be fighting over which side of the poster they'd be on, of course. You would, yeah. you you know, would, uh, you would it fight, happen? Would you fight your half-brother? Um... I don't like to say too much on this. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, anything could happen. I mean, who knows? Um, if there was, if we was at the same weights and he or whoever was in the way of a title or, a, or whatever, I wouldn't turn down the fight because. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's. I mean, I suppose uh, you, you may have to look. Who knows? You know, weight-wise, it could happen. You it, could both end yeah, up I having mean, that fight. I mean, you? I'm just learning on the job at the minute. Yeah. Um, mm. He, he, he is more experienced than me. He's had an amateur career um, and he's had over 10, no, about eight more professional fights than me. Um, so he has had a, a longer, more lengthy boxing career than me. Um, I mean, I'm progressing and, and I believe in my ability 100%. I just need to stay focused. Sure. But you're also coming down the weight division. We're talking about you were, you were at super middle. He was at light welter. He's gone to welter. You've gone to light middle. Yeah, yeah, listen, I don't, like, I don't yeah. want to be accused mm. of the wrong thing here, really, because, you know, at the end of the day, you, you share a father and, and one wonders. I think two Canadian brothers boxed each other once and the Shamrock brothers in MMA were going to mm. fight, but they were both adopted and from different parents. And I suppose 
one has to be careful encouraging this kind of thing because mm. there's a lot of people can suffer a lot of pain emotionally. Imagine it'd be a tough watch for your dad. Oh, God, it? imagine. Yeah, it probably would be. To be <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, it's not it's, it's not ever really properly being spoke about or yeah. anything like that. I mean, I, I just want to carry on learning on the job. Um, get to our, my, my goal is my first goal is ten and zero, yeah. um, so ten fights, yeah. ten wins. Um, that's uh, that'll be a, a big achievement for me in itself, as I haven't had an amateur or anything like that. So I'm just going to continue progressing in my gym. Um, my trainer Lenny Butcher. Um, oh, Len. A, yeah, exactly. He's done it. <laughs> done it. Done an amazing job yeah, with me. Um, yeah. He's taken me down from super middleweight, which I didn't need to be at, mm. um, to super welterweight, like middleweight, and um, going down for my fight in November to to welterweight. So he's done a. She's basically gone from 168 to 147 wow. for the listeners, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah 10 literally. stone, 7 from 12 stone, yeah. which is brilliant. And yeah. you, I would say when I saw you out in the gallery mm. tonight, you look in fantastic shape, actually. No, thank you. Um, you know, that. but just your whole body's leaner, isn't it? Because you're yeah, a tall man anyway, about yeah. six foot, aren't you? You know. Yeah, just under, yeah. yeah you can call me six foot. That's <laughs> <laughs> and when you wear your cowboy boots out on a Saturday, you know, six foot two, strutting <laughs> through the West End. No, but you do, because you and I saw each other, what, nine months ago or ten months ago, yeah. boxing writers dinner at Savoy. Yeah. Yeah. And and you do look you look taller actually because you're leaner I've now. Because slimmed down, yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's um uh, the reason that I was probably a super middleweight is because I'd never had a fight before. Mm. No one knew what weight I was going to be comfortable. You were at, civilian you know? weight basically. Yeah, yeah, now you're boxer yeah. weight. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that. Mm. So um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still a nightmare after my fight, so I'll eat far too much <laughs> and get on the scales. And Lenny will give me a clip round the ear for for being so heavy. But, <laughs> It's um yeah I'm all learning I'm, I'm, it's all new to yeah. me still I mean I've only been in the sport about a a, a year and a half mm. uh, professionally um, I'm enjoying it all mm. um, and who knows what's so what's on. what's been the steepest part of the learning curve four fights so far mm. what have it I mean I'm sure you're learning something with every fight so yeah what what's been the thing that surprised you is there something as you've started to fight and have more fights that yeah. you're kind of learning I mean I've out of my four fights I've had one stoppage win a technical knockout which is my first fight my debut fight mm -hmm. um, and that was probably the hardest I've been hit in that fight as well so it was um, I learned a lot probably in my first fight more yeah um, purely because I, I got the stoppage um, which is probably one of the best moments of my life to be fair um, but I also got hit a few times in the first yeah. round. Um, I mean, pure, is that purely that being hit by a by a big guy? Because you say you're at a heavier weight. Then I mean, the, you know, you can do whatever you like in a gym. But the first time you get in a ring, and it would have been your first proper professional fight. Yeah, of I course. suppose it's a bit of a shock to it the is system. Different. Isn't it? it is because I mean, with sparring, um, obviously sparring can still hurt. You yeah. get some big hitters, but you've got fourteen or sixteen ounce gloves on with head guards. Um, whereas in the ring, it's ten ounce gloves no head guard um, and that you can feel the difference yeah. massively I mean I think adrenaline does take away a lot of the not a lot of the pain actually a, a majority of the <laughs> some pain. of the pain yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah some of the pain um, but my my last fight um, at your call last month uh, yeah last month I um, dislocated two ribs in the first round wow yeah it was horrible 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 I, I hit my opponent with a really good shot um, but he was a tough, durable opponent, mm. and I think he'd only been stopped once in his career. Um, and I overstretched, um, and on my right side, two ribs, and this was in the first round, so I still had another three rounds to go. Um, the fight was closer than I wanted it to be, mm. um, because the last round I literally couldn't lift my arms up. Wow. Just, yeah, so that was a big learning curve. You've got to be as fit as a fiddle. Um, 
and you've got to expect things. I didn't expect that I was going to dislocate my ribs in the first round. So, oh. Rudolf Dorica, Dorica. Yeah. That's the one, yeah. But, and and when, he, when you did that, you were thinking, damn, this guy's one win and 20 losses. I cannot be... A, a, def- a defeat to this of, guy. Of course. So exactly. you, you knew you had to go through those 12 minutes. Did you try and get him out of there then? Or do you know we just it, have to cover up and... Do you know what it was? It was... Um, I was landing nicely with the jab. He's a, he was a kickboxer. Um, oh, they're very tough kickboxers. Very I tough. keep telling and people this. Yeah, yeah. Any kickboxer that comes into boxing, we saw it with Callum <clears throat> Smith with um, Nicky Holtzkin in the yeah. semi-final of the World Boxing Super Series. Yeah, they have 15 minutes of time. Um, in fact, even your half-brother yeah. had had um, Cedric Payneau yeah, in yeah, his last fight. Yeah. Yeah. They are incredibly tough for the first five rounds of a fight yeah. because they are used to being kicked and punched around the body. Exactly. Kickboxers are some of the hardest people on earth. You oh, know 100%. that. You know. And he knew, he knew very well how to, to take the sting out of my punches. He was very much on the back foot. Um, and when I say in the back foot, I mean he was taking, he was leaning on his back foot, taking the sting out of the punches. He was... He, yeah, he, he knew exactly how to, to not get hurt, basically. So um, As was... a kickboxer, you've got to take punishment, though. Of course. It's part of the nature of the sport. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And, and so <clears throat> that's why they translate very well. They're very good build-up fights for, for people like yourself, you know. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm learned, I've am i learned a lot in, in, in all of my fights. I mean, for my, um, for my second fight at the Brentwood Centre, I remember I had a, a, a Cummins, opponent, Paul, Paul Cummins. Cummins yeah, and yeah. Um, he is such an awkward fighter. He's very, very tall, about 6'4", mm. I think. Mm. This is why when I was at Super Middle, um, and I think, oh, well, I have to admit my real height now. I'm not six foot. I'm, I'm, I'm about 5'10 and a half. Right. So it was a big height difference between me and uh, <laughs> Paul Cummins, um, which was very awkward. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy them because I learn different mm. things. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I suppose your mm. team now, because you haven't got the rounds in as an amateur, I suppose mm. your team are picking different sorts of opponent, asking mm. different questions of you at this stage, aren't yeah. they? When they're looking to ma- matchmake. Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't think I'm having... I mean, you hear a lot about uh, talk about boxers getting easy rides and hand-picked. Yeah, my fighters are probably hand-picked. I mean, um, in the sense of my trying to get the learning in as experienced you know what i mean yeah, yeah. They, they are going to be they're not going to they're not going to put me in with uh someone who's 15 and 0 yeah of course um fighting for a british mm. title mm. do you know what i mean so but i don't think i've had an easy ride um at all i think i mean my opponents have been durable um like i said i've only had one stoppage out of the four yeah. so it's not like i've been having guys that are blowing away in the first round and i've caught them all with big shots mm-hmm. so yeah, they're, they're, they're durable opponents, and I'm glad to have got the um, the rounds in. I mean, the next fight, it'd be nice to um, to get another Just tell in. us about your, the, your next opponent and what, what's expected of him then. I don't know my next opponent. Oh, okay. Yet. Yeah, You've got I'll, a date for the fight, but you're just waiting. Yeah, okay. the venue's just been confirmed, yeah. which is uh, Waltham Stowe Town Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, but the opponent hasn't been confirmed yet, okay. unfortunately. But it will be in due time. Good. Okay. You you could have chosen uh, an easier profession, one one imagines. I mean, have you got something else kind of flowing in the background, uh, or I mean, did you qualify? I was a, I was a, I was a stockbroker. Um, oh, there you go. You have, well, so you could have made millions in the city, <clears throat> right? But instead, yeah. you decided to go and get punched in the face for a living. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, <laughs> I find it. I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD yeah, when I was um, yeah. when I was younger. I grew out of it um, and was. I don't know if it's called undiagnosed or, mm-hmm. but grew out of it basically because mm. it come, can come in seven years. I've had it for fifty-three years. Yeah, you still haven't calmed down. No, I haven't. No, that's the thing. I think you know it's very interesting. You know, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time. I'm, I'm a girlfriend's a psychotherapist and a psychologist, and you know, 
she works with people on on all people on the spectrum um and you know the more i've spoken to her about fight sports so many fighters so many people in physical industries tend to have adhd because because mm. you can get up at any time in the morning you can get yeah. you can get focused into different things exactly. and, and 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 you like to be kin- kinesthetic which is on the move and being physical yeah and course. i think learning is easier in that way i mean i found it difficult at school i could not wait Paul knows how much I, I love cricket and yeah. rugby and those sports and, co- and martial arts. I couldn't sit in a classroom. I was on a behaviour card in a private school because <laughs> yes. I couldn't behave. Yeah. But it was it was just a, it's because because you can't sit still. I it, like this now. We're being physical. We're having fun. We're talking. Mm. It's very yeah. open. But you know, once it's over, I want to move again. And I do think that that. That's probably why you've chosen fighting over stockbroking in the end. Yeah. Because it suits your, your neuro tribe, if I can put it that way. Wow. Yeah. I know it's a psychology hour here, but yeah. it's a neuro <laughs> tribe we belong yeah, to. No, wow. it, and, and yeah, it does. It, it suits me very well. Um, saying that, I train a lot of kids with uh, learning difficulties, mm. autism and uh, ADHD. And you know what? It, it is very good. It is. Boxing is not just good for, for you physically, but mentally as well. So. Yeah. We want to talk yeah. about that. I saw mm. that, and it's a really nice story. So we will talk about the work you've been doing, yeah. uh, and also strictly, strictly, and <laughs> and uh, next next series next series, Harley. Yeah. Uh, but th- th- look, it was on. There was a bit of talk about it, oh. and then um, also uh, let's dance. We're going to talk about hypnotherapy as well. Something you've done, so yeah. you can we'll go back to psychology. Yeah, Al. Cool. Uh, it's uh, me, Paul Hawksby, alongside Gareth A. Davis. I'm sitting in for uh, Adam Catthrall tonight here on Fight Night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's fine night, it's Paul Hawksby and uh, Gareth A. Davis. And with us in the studio, if you just join us, is Harley Ben. Yep. Definitely is a relation. He is uh, Nigel's son and Connor's half-brother. He's got his fifth fight coming up shortly. He's unbeaten so far in four fights. And uh, you just mentioned just before the break there that uh, you've been doing some work with uh, kids with uh, ADHD and learning difficulties and stuff. And it's interesting, you know, you're obviously focusing on your own career, but 
as you admitted yourself, you got a bit wayward. And is that why you've decided to, to do that and kind of put something back this early, really? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's something I wanted to do. I was... When, when, about a year ago, I had a thought. And I created um, a company now. It's called Ben's School of Boxing, mm-hmm. um, which I own. So it's... Um, it's something I wanted to do. I mean, it's not just for, for, for children with learning difficulties. It's it's for all different kinds of children. Yeah. Um, and adults as well. Mm. Um, but kids with learning difficulties, I feel it helps them especially. Um, purely because it can focus their mind on different things. It gives them routine, um, which with ADHD and autism, routine is a massive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It all, di- discipline as well. I mean, because ADHD. I mean, I I got up. I'll be honest. I've said it many times. I got kicked out of every single school that I went to. There wasn't one school I didn't get thrown out of. I didn't mm. finish a school, and it wasn't because I was a horrible kid or, a, or or anything or a bully or anything like that. I was just so disruptive without meaning to be. Yeah. Um, and that's because I felt that like I have so much energy all the time, all day. Um, so yeah. I um I'd I'd like to be able to help kids. Another I, I noticed a, a mum called you in. I read a piece. A mum called you in just to do some work with her lad because he was getting. And again, like you said, getting in with a bad crowd. She was worried about knife crime in her area. Worried about him getting wrapped up in that. And she, she just wanted, as you said, some discipline in his life. She just wanted him. He was back chatting her and everything. So she, she, not so much knocked into shape, but she wanted some discipline in his life that yeah, she felt was course. missing. And it does do that. And I and I wish I I, I started boxing at a lot younger age. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. I, I believe it helps with things like that. Um, I think it helps calm you down as well. Um, so yeah, there's many different things it can help. Okay, and look, let's let's put this one to bed. Uh, there was a few rumours a couple of months ago that you were going to do Strictly. Um, I mean, did, were you approached or, or and, what? And can you dance? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I can. One hundred percent. Apparently not. We, we have not. A, we have a witness here called yeah. Archie who apparently is kind Archie's of spinning not in sure. his chair right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not massively sure whether you can. Yeah. Uh, I, I, from the reactions, though, I reckon you can, but he doesn't like it because you dance so well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what That's it right. is. There you go. They form a circle around you. There's psychology for you again. There. He knows because when he goes out with you. Embarrass him, you are so good at dancing. I am, am I wrong? Exactly. That's yeah. why I got approached by Strictly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, my mum um, is my manager yeah. as well. Mumager, I call her. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. Is she, she listening tonight, by the she, way? Yeah, she, she, Can we give her a shout out, please? Yeah, mum, Lisa Andrews. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for your support so far. It's interesting. Yeah. When I'm watching that fight at the Hall, your mum was in the front row. I mean, obviously, she's going through it. And we were chatting about uh, mm. Callum Smith's mum and that she can't. She can't watch the fights, and she, she has kinda, to turn everything yeah, off. She turns it, the four, uh, Callum Smith, obviously, three boxing yeah. brothers as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His mum turns radio off, TV off. People used to come up to her in the bingo and let yeah. her know what's going on in the fights. Mm. She used to drive around, but she'd see the fight on in the pub and on the TV through the window, and she just cannot bear when they're fighting. So she has to go and hide, basically. But it'd be yeah. quite difficult if your manager didn't watch you fight. Yeah, really, wouldn't it? that's <laughs> it. I mean, my mum doesn't like it, but she she's completely opposite to that. She has to watch it. She can't not watch it mm-hmm. um she thought she would be like hands over her eyes wouldn't be able to watch it she has to watch every second of it and if you yeah. see if you watch i mean my fights were on tv some of them and and they're on youtube still so if you see um my mum in the crowd you she is fixed on me 
my, her eyes are fixed on me for the whole round. She's not like Mark Potter's missus, is she? Do you remember Mark Potter? Oh, yeah. She used to get she... in with her shoes and bash other Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, classic old clip. Hit someone with a bag. No, with a bag and a shoe. It's a, it's a classic old clip, that yeah. is. It always yeah. turns up on the BRI. Why are you here, my son, for? Yeah. But well, I tell you what is he's interesting. He's in a fight with you, signed a contract. I think it was your. <laughs> fir- watching the footage of your first fight, she's there and she's pleased you've won, but yeah. she does afterwards. And she, yeah. she kind of waves you in the ring, gives you a thumbs up. She takes this really deep yeah, breath. I so see she's it. obviously incredibly relieved. Yeah, it's I know over. exactly where I was incredibly relieved as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I saw her. Um, I, remember, I know the exact moment you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I, th- I don't think she will be as anxious as my debut. I mean, that was the big question. Sure. That was the big one. I mean, no one knew what was going to happen, no one yeah, knew yeah. how I was going to perform. Um, so to get a second round stoppage. Um, yeah, it was a big relief. So sure. she she wanted to get you on Strictly, though, yeah? Yeah, well, yeah, this is what happened. Um, she was speaking to someone, and someone, one of her friends was a, one of the editors of Strictly and stuff like that. And um, she wanted to get a quick interview on if I'd... But my mum, um, my mum done... It was an interview with my mum about me, basically. Yeah. And I obviously didn't know that my mum was speaking to someone Strictly coming up. <laughs> um... I then got tagged in something on Twitter um, by one of my friends, um, Ben for Strictly Come Dancing 2018. <laughs> so I've rang my mum and she she answered the phone laughing. So I knew full well she'd stitch me up. But I mean, it was something they was uh, they were quite serious about. I mean, would you be year, up for it then? I wouldn't have been this year, only yeah. be, only because I do want to focus on my boxing. I've got a, a, a good ten months of fight catching up to do because I was out of the ring for mm. a. For a good while. But if you went into Strictly, you'd be in for in it to win it, yeah? I, I would win it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag, just saying, hashtag, yeah. Ben for Strictly 2000. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, another, yeah, next year, definitely. I yeah. know, why not? You are good. that good then, yeah? yeah. I am, yeah. Do you do tap, modern ballet, all of the... Argentinian tango. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, look, we'll, 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 we'll look at... Archie is giggling and spinning his chair again. He's not massively sure about that, is he? So, um... Who are the fighters that you that you kind of admire now, currently fighting? Um, I mean, I train um, with Hamza Shiraz and uh, Sanjeev Sahota. Um, Sanj comes between here and Spain. Uh, he's eleven and zero now. Mm. Hamza's four and zero, same as me. Um, Hamza is an amazing talent. Um, I look up to him massively. I haven't, I haven't sparred or seen anyone that is as good as him so he's he's probably my favorite one of my favorite boxers at the minute on the professional scene yeah i'm excited to watch his career grow um wasn't he a stockbroker at one time or worked in the city did he no, 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 never worked a day in his life what a mate to have eh? yeah that's right yeah, yeah no, but what yeah. about what about of the, you know, to, to take that question a bit further, about, yeah. you know, the Mayweathers of this yeah, world, right, the okay. Pacquiao's. Um, the... At the minute, I mean, Canelo was always was always he was hmm. he was a very good. Um, I love the way he counter punches and. He's so stocky and... This is Saul Canelo Alvarez, by the way, for listeners. The Mexican yeah, yeah. who's about to fight Gennady Golovkin for the second time in Las Vegas on September the 15th. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, he, he, he's, he's definitely one of my favourite. I think he's one of the best all-round fighters. I think he can change his style. Um, he can take a shot. Um, he's Yeah, he's probably my favourite boxer to watch. I mean, Golovkin... He's all um, action as well, isn't yeah. he? He's an all-action yeah, fighter and as well. Do you know Billy Joe Saunders? Yeah. Um, He's 
he's a different class. He's to watch. very, very talented. He's almost genius level in boxing, yeah, isn't I mean, he? You know? he's, um, there's he no can, question about it. He can do different it. things again. I mean, you're going to beat Demetrius Andrade on October the twentieth. Do you think? Yeah, defending think, his WBO middleweight yeah, title. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think. Yeah. I think um, Saunders will overwhelm him in the late rounds. Um, I, I got points victory for Saunders. By yeah, three I mean, or do you know rounds. what? I, I, I was going to go for a point, uh, points victory, but I, I, I think I just have a feeling he'll um, overwhelm him in the later rounds. I don't know why, but hmm. got a feeling. While we're on it, then Fury Wilder, November the seventeenth, Las Vegas. Who wins? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I really like Tyson Fury and. Dante Wilder kind of gets on my nerves a little bit of all his screaming and his shouting. Um, I have had a bet with my friend and I've gone for Wilder. Okay. I have. By knockout, yeah? Yes. Hmm. Um, four or five? Rounds four or five? I think it'll be seven or eight. Um can Tyson shock us all, though? Hmm. Yes, he can. That's Is that because I mean. he's undercooked or because he's not had enough fights? you think he, if it had, had it been three or four fights on, you think that, that may have been different? Is it purely because you think Wilder will win because he's not had enough... He's a bit ring rusty still, Fury. No, I, do you know what? I don't even think it's... I mean, I don't think Fury is the same um, as he was, but... Do I think he can get back there and be where he was? And does he have the ability to beat Dante Wilder? Yeah, I do think he does. I just have a feeling that Wilder will win on a night. I think he's, I think he's been preparing himself for Fury. I think he's been maybe known this fight's going to happen for a while. I think. I think you know we always talk mm-hmm. about styles making fights mm-hmm. in, yeah. in, in in all fight sports, particularly in boxing. And and I think that the thing is Tyson Fury can outbox people with, yeah. with his height and his reach and all those things I think interestingly last weekend from Belfast there didn't seem to be much of a height differential mm. even no they didn't you're no, right no, even though Tyson's supposed to be 6'9 mm. and Deontay 6'7 so there may not be much of a reach advantage but I, what I fear for Tyson is um, look, we don't know it's heavyweight boxing and, and Tyson Fury has surprised us in the past not least yeah. on in November 2015 Dusseldorf with, with that incredible victory over Vladimir Klitschko but he couldn't pull the trigger Wilder can pull the trigger and when yeah. he attacks he marauds and I, I was there at Deontay Wilder and um, Louis Ortiz in February or March uh, this year in 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 uh, in Brooklyn, yeah. and uh, Wilder's hand speed live. You know when you go live and you watch something, <laughs> yeah, whether yeah, it be yeah. rugby tackles or sure. you know footballers passing from one side of the pitch to the other. Mm. When you're ringside for someone like Deontay Wilder, he's got very fast hand speed. Yeah, he as has well. got, very... and, and that's what I worry about for Tyson mm. in that fight. I think it's quite a messy clash of styles yeah. in yeah. a way. Um, I mean. Uh, Tyson Fury's, I'd say, is the better boxer, and I'd say Dante Wilder has more power um, and can and can pull the trigger, as you say. Um, but I think if they're both tired and it does go to the later rounds, the, even anything past six, seven, really, I think it could be a very messy fight. Um, I mean, I think their styles, both of them styles, tired, could sort of clash. So. I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens. The final one from me. Yeah, I know sure. we've got a break. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fury wins, okay, let's yeah. say. Fury Joshua, who, Anthony Joshua, who wins Anthony that Joshua. Oh, okay. I, I, I just, I'm a massive AJ fan. Do you think he's, did he beat Wilder as well? Yeah. Yeah, yes. Well, that's great because so many people have just been saying, oh, you know, a fully fit uh, Fury uh, beats Joshua. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I'm, I think I'm, he's, get, he's yeah. getting a lot of stick that, that he doesn't really deserve Anthony Joshua at the moment. All he did, keeps no. doing is beating people. If Fury beats yeah. Wilder, he will beat Joshua. In my view. 
Well, yeah, because wow. I would say that Fury and um, that Wilder and Joshua are on sort of the same level. Um, Wilder's the most dangerous heavyweight in the world. I think Joshua's the most developing, and I think Fury's got the best boxing brain. Yes, and, 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 and in those combinations, I mean, I'd love to see them all fight each other twice. Yeah. There's so much at stake on the table, Jim. It's a pretty good chance that will happen. Well, they're all well, maybe. I hope. Well, so. you think politics will get in the yeah, way? Yeah, it can do. I mean, yeah. if, if 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 Wilder. Um, and to use a boxing term, if Wilder sparks Fury in three or four rounds, yeah. he's maybe not going to take a risk against Fury again. He's want to go. He's going to want to go for Joshua, and yeah. he's want to go and attack him and earn a lot of money over here. But given that that great generation, you know, the, the big black American heavyweights in the seventies, where you had, you know, Foreman, Holmes, Arlie Fraser, you don't even need first names with no. them. Norton. Um, let's see these guys fight each other once or twice. Let's see. Not, not someone just beat everyone once and say, oh, I'm the undisputed. It'd be brilliant if they could f- kind of find a tri- tri- trifactor or quattrofactor or whatever you call it, where they all kind of meet each other more than once. Yeah, it yeah. would be fantastic. Well, look, it's, it has been uh, great to meet you, Harley, and we wish you well. Thank uh, you very career. much. Continued success. Great fun. Um, Thank and you. just remind us, uh, Walthamstow... Uh, for your fifth fight. Walthamstow Town Hall. Yeah. Um, you can get tickets from me. Um, I'm just going to l- let listeners know my new Instagram. Is that okay? I sure, log- of course you can. I got yeah, logged yeah, yeah. out and I've lost about 70% of my followers. Right. Um, so my Instagram is Harley Ben Official. Um, there's another one out there that's Harley Ben, but that's my old one. Follow the new one, Harley Ben Official. And my Twitter is just Harley Ben. Um, and my Snapchat is Harley Ben with a free instead of an E in Ben. Fantastic. And, and where's the after party, though, that we're more important? Ah, Luna, Hornchurch, <laughs> Essex. It's my mum's L- bar. Luna, Hornchurch. Yeah. your mum's bar, is yes. it? Okay. Luna, so Hornchurch do I get any invites to come and have a tequila there with you one I night? want a, more, a bottle of champagne, not just a Ooh, tequila. Oh, oh, sounds, Ed wants to come as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ed can well, come. Uh, our assistant producer wants to come. Ed, Ed's always up for a night out, and he's a stocky-looking fellow. He can look after me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice one. All the best, Harley. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Harley. Thanks very much. Brilliant Harley Ben there. I'm uh, going to hear from uh, Badu Jack very shortly, uh, get his thoughts on the uh, light heavyweight scene in this country and, of course, on Groves versus Smith. That's all to come on Fight Night. Carl Frampton, the star of the show, is so far producing a star performance and that's a, a solid left hand. Good counter punches from Jackson, but it provokes a really solid right hand and then a crunching body shot from Carl Frampton. I think that's oh, beautiful. 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 Uppercut followed by the body, gun, body shot. Absolute classic. That's a pain that Luke Jackson knows all about. He's bravely up on his feet, but how much does he have left? After that, tremendous left hook. Frampton is going looking for him, looking to find more of the same, knowing perhaps that one more big shot might finish the fight. They hit you in the solar plexus like that. Oh, it's right another one, right hand this time, and it's hurt. It's all in, it's all over. The towel's got in, the fight's over. His corner have pulled him out, and Carl Frampton gets the stoppage. A tremendous performance here. Of course, like, we've, got, we've got a world champion in the ring here from Leeds. Josh Warren, a great fighter, um, and obviously we're both both from, with Frank Warren, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you can make a fight. You know, I'm not a world champion. I'm not. I'm not for a second saying I'm a world champion because I have this interim title. Josh is a world champion, and I would love to be, be a world champion again. I'm looking to get a fight. You know, for me, I beat Selby. I'm still ranked behind Carl, so I'd like to be number one for Christmas. And uh, I've got a lot of respect for this man. But listen, this is boxing. You want to fight the best, so yeah. Yeah, Frank Warren telling us fight of the year, potentially that. And uh, you have a question the heart of uh, boxers, and I think you'd be mad to do that. Luke Jackson 
two perforated eardrums, uh, left ear in round three, right ear in round six, and that body shot in the eighth. Um, and he still didn't want the towel thrown in. I mean, they are warriors, these fellas, aren't they? Yeah, Jackson. An amazing story last mm. week, uh, Luke Jackson, by the way. You know, kind of um, suffering from real extreme OCD. And he'd been suicidal before he took up boxing. And I, I met him on the in, in the hotel on, on fight day. And beautiful man. Um, and and yeah, it was lovely to see this week, actually, when he put that out about the damage he took against yeah. Carl. Because he really did put on the best fight of his career. Um, that he stuck in there. And people had a great respect for him and it's great to see that in boxing. I've got to laugh at this one uh, Paul. Ian Hamilton has said at my age most people would tell me to go out and enjoy myself I'd say right now I am enjoying myself spending three hours listening to boxing chat on talk sport with the best in the business. Paul Hawksby. Wait, he may have and, meant and, you. He may no, have he, meant no, you. But he meant you because you're <laughs> the best in the business. Thank you very much Ian and it is nice to be chatting fight sports earlier on a Saturday night and the great thing is um when there's respect levels in boxing, it's a brilliant sport. Mm. But, you know, we get the trash talk as well. And we didn't get that at all with Warrington and Frampton no, there. No, very clip, noticeable, they, wasn't they're it? They're just going to go in there and deliver. It's a bit different with yeah. Wilder and Fury and, you know, Hay and Bellew. And, you know, sometimes trash talk works and it turns people off, but they want to watch it. You know, I mean, we've got Logan Paul against KSI, two YouTubers. Yeah, we'll talk um, about that later. Yeah, and like... You know, KSI saying he's going to turn pro now, by the way. They're fighting tonight in Manchester. It's sold out. They think it'll do more on pay-per-view than any other fight in history. Yeah. £7.50 of your hard-earned, Gareth, if you're interested. It starts at 10 when we're off air. I don't think I'll watch it. No, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. No. I'll tell you what, let's hear from Jamie Moore, who is uh, Carl Frampton's uh, trainer. Because you caught up with him, Gareth, didn't you? Yeah. That's right. Uh, Gareth had a chat with him after the fight on Saturday and asked him how he felt Carl performed in that win over Luke Jackson. That was the big thing for me, not to let him emotionally get carried away with the occasion. Um, and he handled it perfectly, you know. I, I kept, I, a few times I kept having him a pull back, say, don't get carried away, you know. And he was finding the target quite easily, which would have then probably, would have been easy for him to get carried away and allow himself to go through the gears earlier than maybe he should have done. And then he could have found himself in a position then where after six, seven rounds, he punched himself out. So I make Or I'm, trying too hard to please everyone, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, and that was another problem yeah, what maybe... Yeah maybe his thing so I was on him I, I, I made sure mentally he was in his head I made sure I kept him exactly where we needed him and um, and that was the reason why he was able to be composed all the way through and put in that sort of performance um, Am I right in thinking that Josh Warrington's style really suits Carl? I think it does but I also think that it, it can't be anything but a very entertaining fight. I think Josh Warrington's style is, is made for Carl in the sense of he puts himself into the pocket and, he, and he'll apply pressure, which therefore Carl will be out to land his shots. Um, somebody who has a high output means that Carl will be out to land more frequently as well. So you, you, can, you can see the picture I'm trying to paint here. It's going to be one of those fights where the, the action twos and throws, but Carl's um, judge, range of um, judgment of distance, timing, um, and his, his boxing brain is phenomenal. And, uh, and now, added to that, he's a, he's a, he's a body snatcher. Then, um, then he can set the guess out of Josh's time because Josh has got a great work rate. We know Josh's um, positive points and we know I, I know or I feel, I feel like I'm aware of his weaknesses and that's our job to expose him. Manchester, the perfect venue if it's going to be uh, this year? It would be for me because it's round the corner from my house. But, um, but you know, Manchester or London, you know, it doesn't really matter. But Carl's really settled in Manchester. He's had 
a good win there before and it's not too far from Leeds. So Manchester makes sense for everyone. You know, we, I don't think all the Leeds fans or the Northern Irish fans would want to go down to London because it's a bit more expensive for a pint and it's, it's a bit cheaper in Manchester. But, but you know, it's, it's 40, 45 minutes down the motorway from Leeds and Carl's settled in Manchester, so it makes sense. There we are, this uh, <laughs> top man, Jamie, isn't he? Jamie he is. Moore. He uh, is indeed. Can, can you, you know, considering what, what he went through in his life to get to this stage, you know, to... Uh, well, shot in the leg in Marbella, yeah. of course. I yeah. mean, his book, this, uh, yeah. that, that chapter in his book is chilling, isn't it? A kind of mistaken identity. He nearly died, didn't he? Yeah, he, yeah obviously it was a gangland shooting. But the, the, the thing is about Jamie, he's a real nuts and bolts professor, if I can put it that way, mm. of the sport. You know, don't be... Don't be mistaken by that voice that sounds like crushed coal. You know? <laughs> he, he, he is a very, very astute uh, intellectual, fight intellectual. And he was a very rugged fighter, of course. Um, and I think, he, he's, I think he's really brought the best outs in mm. Carl Frampton, who, I mean, I had my doubts about Carl before last weekend, whether, you know, was he a bit shop-worn? Could he return to the form that saw him beat the brilliant... Mexican Leo Santa Cruz it really truly mm. was Paul I mean you know I, mean, I know there's some boxing fans will be listening but you know to people who aren't boxing fans Carl Frampton is one of our modern great fighters in the United Kingdom I know he's an Irishman Northern Irishman but he is one of our great modern fighters in 2016 he was the Ring Magazine Fighter of the Year um, he was in the fight of the year against Leo Santa Cruz he's an extraordinary talent because he boxes like a Mexican mm. has all the punches um, but I think you know now, now that he's in his 30s you know he's so hench he's so powerfully built I think it's hard boiling down to 126 pounds mm. you know me and you walking around at well I'm walking around at about 200 pounds but <laughs> you know no but you know uh, you know we just had Harley Benning and he's yeah. boiling down in the weights he's a 21 year old man you know the the Carl Frampton is a phenomenon, and I think under people like Jamie Moore, because he's lived so much, because he's been through so much, he knows what Frampton and the like are going through. And you know, I think um, Josh Kelly's in the in that camp as well. So there's some there's some Luke Campbell, there's some great um, some great fighters all, all working together. So um, it's brilliant, really, it's absolutely brilliant. In case you weren't with us in the first hour, we spoke to Frank Warren. He said that uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. He expects to announce formally next week with details of the venue and more. And the following week, we should get all the uh, final details. Uh, neutral territory. It won't be Belfast. It won't be Leeds for Josh Warrington against Carl Frampton. Uh, it's a golden age, really, of British boxing. And uh, Robert Smith and the British Boxing Board of Control is pretty chuffed about that at the moment. Gareth caught up with him last week in Belfast. So we'll hear from him in the next hour. We're going to talk, talk about boxing boozers. We'd like to get you involved. Any great pubs over the years that always had a bit of a boxing theme? Uh, there's one or two in London, and I'm sure there's one in your area. Something you always go to watch the boxing. It's got pictures up on the wall. It's got a bit of boxing history to it, because Terry Dooley was uh, writing about it. He went in search of some of the great boxing boozers for uh, Boxing News a couple of weeks back, and we'll be catching up with him in the final hour. And, of course, uh, UFC 228 and 229 are just around the corner. So, uh, Conor McGregor is back. We'll be chatting about that and uh, Darren Till in action before that. So Dan Hardy, a former MMA fighter, will be joining us to give us all the latest from the world of MMA. It's Paul Hawksby in for Adam Catchell this evening alongside Gareth A. Davis. Yeah, it's become a big part of fight night, hasn't it, that? 
uh, you know, a bit of Sweet Caroline, get everybody in the mood. When was the hit? What was that? When was the hit? When? Yeah. What year was yeah, it? What hit? year was wow, it? Wow, that's a very good question. Um, and who's the artist? Well, I know it's Neil Diamond. Okay, what was the so, year? So, what would that have been? 72? 69. Really? Yeah. Wow, that it's is It's incredible, scary. isn't it? That, yeah. that, um, that the 69 hit Sweet Caroline... Mm is now the anthem, the big build. Yeah. But it's not just for boxing occasions anymore, no, no, by no, the it's way. True. It's it's for really big... Even the UFC used it up in Liverpool recently mm. for, um, for for Darren Till when he fought Wonderboy, uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I just think it's got... I spoke to Eddie Hearn about this the other day. He said, yeah, when other people use it now, I get loads of texts, people saying, they've stolen it from you. <laughs> and he said, it, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, how um, things become cult in that yeah, way yeah, yeah. and once you hear that you do think about Anthony Joshua walking to the ring or the big fight nights or the you know it, it's part of the build it's about the drum the drums are going in the jungle clearing it's that moment it's yeah. enter the dragon it's and it weirdly for some reason it works yes. and uh yeah great news for Neil Diamond I'm sure the it's at the check turns up from Matrim or whatever and he thinks well terrific yeah, but, yeah but I don't know, know why they're playing but God bless them no, we, just, we just don't want 79 year old Neil Diamond playing live at those things <laughs> now uh, the bizarrest uh, b- boxing story of the week uh, you may have seen it and you'll certainly hear about it uh, tomorrow this is Curtis Harper he was fighting in uh, Minneapolis Minneapolis he was 30 years old and uh, he basically got in the ring uh, the bell went and he climbed straight out again. He'd signed the contract. He wasn't happy with the contract. He thought he hadn't been given enough money. But uh, that's it. That was the end of the fight. He, the bell went and he climbed out of the ring in protest. It's not a great way to, um, to, 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 to run your career, is it? Yeah. You know, um, you know was, it, was it last night it took place? Yeah. Didn't it? yeah. Um, there was a crowd of hundreds there, okay? So it wasn't like it was an 80,000 stadium no. fight. Um, so... Why shouldn't um, this 30-year-old um, American boxer um, make a protest about his yeah. pay? Why should he put Why body... did he sign the contract, though, yeah, yeah, but but what? But Yeah, but also, look, so, something's... Um, look, Leon Margolis, Margulis was, was the promoter. I know mm-hmm. Leon. Yeah. Um, you know, he was unhappy about it. And, and um, look, if he... Um, you know, Nate Campbell, the trainer, was very annoyed about yeah. it, and he said that he disrespected himself, his wife, the yeah. fans, and me. Um, but you know, it was Premier Boxing Champions. It's a, quite a serious organisation. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it was down to money, and 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 as as um, Jordan Hardy wrote on on one of the journalists covering the fight, he walked out of the room because he's not going to be paid enough to fight, and 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 he wants respect. But but Margulis is saying. As you say, he signed the contract to fight. Yeah. Um, but the first time was that we heard about the money issues was after he'd left the ring. Clearly, someone didn't communicate properly here. It's You can't do that. You can't kind of turn up for the Champions League final and say, you know, we haven't, we're not being paid for this. We aren't going to... You, you, you have the fight and you negotiate afterwards. You go in there, you pull yourself together. But... Fighters go through all kinds of things. You know, we talked about neuro tribes earlier with mm-hmm. with Harley Ben and ADHD and and whether some people are on the spectrum and you know that there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go on in a fighter's head. Mindsets are an extraordinary thing, you know. Um, and who knows what you know? He might have been going through terrible turmoil. I'm sure we'll find out. As time yeah, yeah. Goes on. I mean, that that one's going to we're going to find out a lot more about that story. So look, fight fans uh, are very excited about what's going on. Uh, globally at the moment in the fight game and uh, you caught up 
with uh, Robert Smith, didn't you, from the uh, British Boxing Board of Control. He was at Windsor Park uh, for the uh, Frampton fight last week. And, uh, yeah, it must have been interesting to catch up with him, Gareth, get his thoughts on what's going on in the scene at the moment. Yeah, he, it is, because, you know, I mean, we, we are in, a, in, a, in a, I don't even say a mini golden age anymore. You know, we've got six of the top ten heavyweights um, in the world. Mm. We've got five of the top super middleweights in the world. We've got a World Boxing Organization middleweight champion in Billy Joe Saunders. We've got loads of brilliant young fighters coming up. Daniel Dubois, heavyweight. heavyweight. Anthony Yard coming through at light heavyweight. Joshua Boazzi at light heavyweight. Callum Johnson, um, who's, of course, fighting uh, Arta Baturbiev in uh, Chicago on uh, October the 6th, um, the, the British and Commonwealth champion at light heavyweight we've got lewis ritson who's a lightweight who's coming through there's so many yeah josh kelly I've, I've just said was trained by 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 jamie moore i was getting a bit of ahead of myself is he by adam booth <laughs> boxing you won't, booth. You won't thank you for the that dark adam lord booth. will be on my case as soon as i'm out of the studio i guarantee <laughs> you but, no, but, the, but the but the thing is it's um when you sit down with robert at the moment you know earlier in the year he dealt with we, we, we dealt it was dealing with the death of scott westgarth mm. and generally for people like robert smith you know um, he's saying to me how, you know, at this time of year, there, there isn't normally boxing. Um, and generally, he's, you know, the, the, the Boxing Board of Control Secretary and the Boxing Board are dealing with licenses and education and medicals. And, um, you know, there's only 900 licensed boxers in the UK, professionals. Um, and yet, you know, there's a lot of troubleshooting to do because mm. there's a lot of people that don't want boxing to happen. But right now... I think, you know, and you'll be, you know, you're across all sports right now, um, and not least at Talk Sport, you know, we've become one of the one of the big homes of broadcasting boxing at the moment. There's there's a general acceptance in the mainstream that mm. boxing deserves some prevalence. Yeah. Because we have a lot of champions. There is a lot of general interest in the sport. There's a lot of casual sports fans coming to it. And so it's a great time. And, and, and I think it's a great time for people like Robert Smith. Absolutely. And when you called up with him, uh, you got a bit of insight into what goes on behind the scenes at the border control during this period of the fight game. August and January is our quiet periods, generally. Mm. When I was boxing, it was either the Derby show in Albert Hall, finished, and that was June, and yeah, July and August off. We've had seven shows in August. Mm. I've never known, in my time with the Boxing Water Control, 18 years with them, 19 years with them, I've never known seven shows in August. So we don't get time off anymore. So the season's changing in a way, because when the kids went, I say, when the kids went on school holidays, that was it generally, wasn't it? Summer holidays were off, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Was that good for the sport, though? It's good for me. I'm not sure it's good for the sport, but I mean, the thing is, like tonight, it's all, you know, it's an August show. And this place is going to be rammed tonight, and most people are away. So there's a lot of people you could fill this twice. I'm fairly sure, but um, you know, it's just the sport's just gone crazy, which is really good for my organisation, good for the sport in general. Uh, but it's hard work. What's What's nice from my perspective, you know, having been around kind of similar time to you in covering things, is that. Um, it feels like the sport itself is getting some recognition because it's kind of there and visible all the time at the moment because there is so much going on because there are so many names known now out there in the, in the mainstream, in the general public. Yeah. I think society has changed a little bit where, where the public relations things, where we, 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 we didn't want to get involved in or there were so many people saying, so you can't do this, you can't do that. And I think that people have changed now. No, you can do this, you, can't, you can do that. And, um, you know, public relations have changed completely in this country in the last five years. 
Um, there seems to be a move at the moment to try and re-educate people about the dangers of, of weight cutting and what it can do to the body and the mind and the and the membranes and the cells in your body. Um, I'm sure you're across that and, and, and want to be a part of all of that. You are. It frustrates me hugely that somebody can come, and I know Glenn very, very well, saying that I did this and did that. We have been telling people ever since I've been with the Boxing Water Control, you've got to look after your body, mm. you've got to do this, you've got to take... And if you can't make the weight, move up. And then when a world champion says, he gets beat and says, oh, I did this and did that, stupid things they've done that frustrates me hugely really frustrates me i am hugely behind everything to do with people rehydrating themselves the british box and water control pride themselves on telling people how to rehydrate etc you're an individual if you don't listen to anybody and you do your own thing you're an idiot it's as simple as that you're an idiot and i'm quite strong on that you're an idiot we will back everybody. I mean, I, all the stories you hear about people not making the weight go to a sauna to lose weight. That's a stupid thing to do. Mm. We speak to people. Saunas are there for a reason, right? To get rid of aches and pains. If you fail the weight on a day and you go to a sauna to lose weight, you're an idiot. And we, and I, I'm exceptionally strong on that. I will tell people, do not do it. And if I walked into a room and you're sitting in a sauna, I will stop that fight. Trouble is, they won't tell you because we're humans so they just hide everything and that really is annoying so we are as an organization and the, and the thing is you blame the board for everything you blame the fa for everything you blame the rugby union for everything you blame authority for everything you have to look after yourself i can't be there all the time yeah fascinating stuff uh, uh, thanks to uh, robert smith had a chat with gareth last week at windsor park but as promised coming up very shortly We'll be chatting to Terry Dooley from uh, Boxing News. Really interesting piece a couple of weeks back in the magazine about boxing boozers, some of those uh, famous pubs uh, around the country with boxing links. So we'll be chatting about that. A couple of suggestions coming in uh, from you and well, as you from from you as well. I'll spit it out at the moment. It's Paul Hawksby alongside Gareth A. Davis. I'm sitting in for Adam Cattrall on Fight Night. Fight night here on TalkSport. We've got loads of big fights uh, coming up. Of course, we have got uh, Callum Smith versus uh, George Groves for you, live from uh, Saudi. Gareth, you'll be there that night, won't you? You'll be... uh You'll be helping call that one, I'm sure. Yeah, September the 28th. But a great fight. I mean, it's really split the public as well, that fight. There's a lot of people feeling that George Groves, if his shoulder is rehabbed properly, yeah. and he says it is. Um, he says it was the hardest thing he ever did, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really rehabbed. Um, a lot of people feel that, that, that George Groves will have the experience and, and, the, uh, and the wherewithal to defeat Callum Smith. This is his first really big step-up fight, the very tall, yeah. uh, youngest of four boxing And you learn a lot in called, defeat. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's yeah. had, he had so many... Setbacks. Oh, uh, George, George came through an awful so you, lot. You do learn a lot the, in defeat. The three, as well. three world title experience. losses, yeah. the two to to Carl Froch, the first massive fight, eighty thousand people uh, at Wembley, of course. And you know, j- listen. The other thing about George is he earns a lot of money. Yeah, but he's, his hunger and ambition still there. Mm. No, I like George. He's a fantastic yeah. character. Brilliant. Anyway, we turn now to uh, boxing pubs uh, from around the country. It's about that time, isn't it? Last yeah. orders. There we are. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not at quarter past nine. There'll be. In the shakes. Anyway, uh, boxing booze is a really nice piece by Terry Dooley in uh, in uh, boxing news a couple of weeks ago, accompanied by a, a great picture of Henry Cooper uh, upstairs in the old Thomas of Beckett. Uh, Terry, good evening. Good to talk to you. Hi guys. Hi guys. How's it going? Good evening. Yeah, Are really- you in my boozer right now or not? No, those days are long 
long gone thing, 1996, with my Pete Boozer years back then. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting, this, because I, I, we seem to have an awful lot in the South, Terry. And reading your piece, it wasn't really the pubs up north. It was the working men's clubs that a lot of the boxers would gravitate to. Yeah, I spoke to about uh, the departed Devil Christie about, it must have been about 10 years ago now, and he, he brought up the subject of working men's clubs. And I thought it would be this type of place that he'd, uh, he'd avoid like the plague. But he said they would open the door, showing the week to the young boxers, give them a space where they could train. And I think a lot of pubs did the same thing back in the day. You had pubs where they would open up the upstairs areas, which were function rooms, where people would go to have parties. But during the week, when nothing was doing in those rooms, uh, people could go and train in them. So I think the pubs serve a purpose in terms of allowing young people somewhere to go and train and also in terms of having like a community hub where people could gather together and you get got quite disparate people gathering in one place. And it wasn't just about the, the gyms connected to the pubs. The pubs themselves were like a kind of hub for the fighters to build a following, to get their faces about and to sell tickets for locals as well, weren't they? Yeah, up here in Manchester, obviously Ricky Atten uh, was a massive name. Richard Maynard, who was Frank Warren's PR guy, said that in the early days they tried to get Ricky into as many pubs as possible, <laughs> uh, playing darts and uh, getting to know the local people. And like you say, uh, word of mouth then quickly spreads. And it was back in the time when you could actually fighters would go around selling tickets. I mean, when I first started doing started boxing writing in 2005, I'd sometimes be working with fighters who were selling tickets on the day of their fight to people that they may have met a couple of nights before in the pub. Wow. Well, uh, I, I remember the um, you're talking about Ricky and in the pub. I mean, it, his, his mum and dad did run a pub, didn't they, at one yeah. time? And I remember Ricky's got some great pub stories as well about uh, it, it, people saying to his mum, this pint's not right, and her sticking her finger in it and sucking it and going, no, it's, it's all right to me, lad, you drink it. <laughs> and he said he remembers at closing time, his mum would, uh, he said it wasn't his dad, it was his mum. Um, he'd hear, Claw, right, last orders. And he said sometimes people wouldn't leave and he'd see this arm, or rather a fist, come <laughs> over his shoulder and blokes laid out by his mum. Oh, I mean, Ricky's got some great mm. pub stories. Mm. And, of course, he's a very decent darts player. Yeah. The, the, the funny thing is that I think the two f- most famous pubs, and I'm sure you've written about this in the article, mm. Terry. My apologies, I haven't seen it. Even though Terry and I are in a movie together wow. this year, by the way, aren't we, Terry? Yeah, Blink and you'll miss me, but I think Gareth did <laughs> on the entire thing. I think Gareth did his research and uh, yeah. uh, took over the press conference, so Gareth ran with it. I think it should have been, uh, Gareth should have been second billing on that one. <laughs> He'll probably get name above the titles, won't you? You know me, I can't shut up. No, it's Journeyman, Paddy Constantine's oh, film. Yeah. It's a very, very, yeah, very good I'm film. about. to see it. It's supposed to be really yeah, good. Yeah, about the brain, uh, the brain damage a boxer goes through. It's mm. a fantastic movie. I do recommend everyone to go out there and see it. But what I was going to say about them, the two pubs that I'm kind of really aware of. And when I first came to, to London, I used to live near the Thomas A. Beckett in, yeah, in yeah. South London. The Thomas A. Beckett and the Sir Henry Cooper, or the Henry Cooper. Hmm. Um, do they feature in your, in, your, in your article? Because I remember Terry Lawless famously yeah. used to get into his boxers uh, down there in South London. And, you know, journalists used to go down there and visit. And like you say, they've, they were a hub they were a hub for the community, um, you know. Much and also in 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 the way that boxing um, gyms, amateur boxing gyms, are a beacon in the mm. community. And overseas fighters used to go there. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and and Ali all went and trained there when they were fighting in London, uh, didn't they, Terry? Yeah. The funny thing is when Matt, Matt Christie, the editor of Boxing News, said, "Do you want to write this article about boxing pubs?" and obviously full of bravado, I said, "Yeah." Uh, put the phone <laughs> down and realised that a lot of them are based in the south and. Mm. Uh, I was kind of struggling of how to approach the article, but then I remembered that Thomas A. Beckett, mm. uh, Dean Powell used to work there, and me and Dean used to get on great, so I thought if 
there was anyone who wanted to talk to about this article, it would be Dean Powell. Yeah. But fortunately, we had lots of tape recordings of myself and Dean talking late at night. Mm. And Dean would talk about working at the Thomas A. Beckett, the people that he got to meet in those pubs. And prior to his tragic death, Dean was actually working on the book. I think it was called Pictures on My Wall, uh, where he wanted to talk about the people he'd met through boxing, celebrities. Obviously, the Thomas A. Beckett was also a rehearsal space for David Bowie when he was uh, putting together the Spiders from Mars album. Mm, that's right. It, it, was just a hot, it was just a hotbed of culture and... Well, the first person I went to when writing this article was Dean because obviously Dean knew those boxing pubs like the back of his hand and uh, we kind of brought Dean's voice into it. At first I was worried about bringing Dean's voice into it because obviously uh, he'd passed away, but I just thought it was fitting to let Dean just, let people remember just how much Dean contributed to those pubs and how much they meant to him. Sure. Dean was, uh, Dean was, from, the, uh, Dean was from the Midlands. He went down to London to make a name for himself and became uh one of the most respected people in boxing circles, and he, he credits it all to the Thomas A. Beckett. And when, when I first started doing the boxing writing, uh, he informed me up one day to tell me off for some stuff that I'd been doing, uh, <laughs> as, as, as was his one. But Dean always said, he said, look, you need to keep your ears open and your mouth shut, and you'll learn a lot about this game. And I think that's one of the lessons he learned from being around the pub. Yeah. And he talked about watching the fighters train upstairs, and they go to the bar afterwards and all have a drink. Hopefully the fighters didn't have a drink, but then again, back in the day, I think they may have had a few pints after training. And <laughs> well, he, he just said he learned so much from those places, and sure. it's just a shame to see these cultural institutions kind of... Well, well, the boxing pubs disappeared first. Absolutely, yeah. They, 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 are, they are sort of dying out, sadly, yeah. I do remember, I mean, living down there in Avon, Avondale Square, just off of the old Kent Road, back in... What would that have been? 89, I, mm-hmm. I was living there, and it was a very, very rough area. There was, there was, there was a lot of crack in the area at the yeah. time, the drug crack. And I do remember that the, um, you know, obviously the Thomas a. Beckett was just across the road from me. And mm. you're, you're, you're so right, Terry, because um, Dean Powell came down there and it really was the Thomas a. Beckett and the Henry Cooper back then in, in that era. Because mm. it had had Mickey Duff and Terry Lawless and Jarvis Astaire had, had a lot of boxers there. And then Dean Powell came along and a whole new generation, you know, kind of fighters like Frank Bruno and... Mark Kaler and a lot of those guys were in and you'll know this because I've spoken from Dean but he really did as you say Dean Powell's a very respected man yeah. in the sport obviously died prematurely and you know in, in very tragic circumstances and uh, you'll know yourself Terry that that pub was almost like the most influential um, kind of uh, uh, proving ground or conveyor belt for talent yeah, for yeah. almost a decade and a half at one period. Just wanted to talk about a, a pub that's five minutes from here. Binfield has told us about this, and I learned this from your piece. You know, I, I occasionally after work, I pop down the road near Southwark Station and have a drink in the ring. And I, I mean, there were pictures on the wall that told me there was a, a boxing type, but I had no idea that until 1940, the Blackfriars Ring Arena was actually opposite the pub. <laughs> yeah, like you say, these pubs were right next to the arena, so people could go and have a few drinks, pile into the arena, watch a fight, and then pile back into the pubs. And I remember, obviously, these pubs were before my time, but back in 1996, I'd, wa- I'd go to the pub with my dad and watch people like Paul Scrapine Ryan, who seems mm. to be on TV after the week. You'd watch someone like him, then you'd go back home with a carry-out from the pub, then you'd watch the American pay-per-views, Mike Tyson, mm. uh, against, Frank, against Frank Bruno. I remember watching, after going to the pub, then watching Mike Tyson against Holyfield. And it kind of, I used to watch a lot of boxing in my bedroom when I was a teenager. You'd get fights from the back of Boxing Monthly from Stephen Baldry and you'd watch these tapes. But I think really it became more of a social thing when you started going to the pubs. You'd go with your mates, you'd watch Paul Scrappy and Ryan, you could get knocked out or knock someone out. You'd have a few beers and then you'd go back to watch a couple of late night fights. And I just think it's kind of a, 
any any time you go into a pub up and down the country, everyone in there knows how to run the national uh, English football team. Yeah. Everyone in the pub knows how to run the government. Everyone in the pub knows a lot about economics. And everyone in the pub knows boxing like the back of the band. And it just seems to be boxing and that kind of culture was linked together for so long and now it's kind of faded away. Absolutely. You're definitely doing something right, Terry, because Jane Couch has been on Twitter saying, uh, mm-hmm. I don't normally listen to much boxing these days, but really enjoying the, sh- enjoying the show tonight. And I, and I just tweeted back at her. Um, Jane, obviously, I covered her pro debut, first pro woman in, in Britain. She's a great character, Jane. And I said, I do miss her kissing me because she used to jump on me, give me a kiss every now and again. <laughs> and, and she said, no, I'm not listening for you. I'm only on because Terry, my favourite <laughs> boxing journalist on the show tonight. <laughs> so there you go. You got a shout out from Jane Couch tonight. Yeah, she's great, Jane. And uh, the funny thing is, last year I managed to get an interview with James Tony. He was a big idol of mine, and mm. I was quite nervous about going to meet him the day before doing the interview. I was kind of thinking I should pull out, uh, which would have left boxing news. I think six page, pages to call with me. I went down to Bristol, and uh, Jane Couch met me at the trip station, dragged me to the hotel. Uh, gave me a lot of coffee to drink and then I had to go to the toilet and I came out of the toilet and J- Jane said, uh, James Tony's been waiting for you for five minutes and dragged me up to meet him. Oh, wow. <laughs> she, sat, she sat me down on the James and said, you better do a good interview with this guy because he's one of my main men. And I think uh, I think without Jane, I probably would have got 10 minutes mm. out of James Tony. So, yeah, I owe Jane. I owe Jane a lot for that no, one. she's terrific. Um, and just finally, Terry, the, the kind of link between the pubs and boxing goes into the fact that a few of the boys, when they retired would go off and buy a pub or, or I mean Charlie Magri was mentioned in your piece mm. and uh, I, I spoke to Charlie just opposite the um, York Hall by the way went yeah. in there many many times and he, he went, in, in, went into that trade there's quite a few boxers did over the years yeah and uh, I spoke to Kevin Mitchell for the piece and Kevin said that one of his ambitions was to buy a pub and open up a gym mm. above the pub but he said that you need so much money to do that in London these days and like you say back decades ago uh, farmer fighters came out of the sport with very few brain cells left after the abuse that they've taken in the sport itself. And one of the things that they could go into was running a pub. Yeah. Uh, these days, the pubs are so expensive. Uh, footballers used to run pubs as well, but these days the footballers earn so much money they can afford to buy a restaurant. Yeah. Whereas boxers come out, they can't buy a restaurant, they can't buy a pub. So it's it's kind of a, a second job that the boxers mm-hmm. could go into. And it, it'd be great to go into a local pub where the boxer was a former professional boxer and just to wear the war stories and, yeah. and just to kind of delve into that knowledge over a few beers and the more beers people have the more knowledgeable they become so yeah. <laughs> it, would been, it would have been interesting experiences uh, Terry really enjoyed the piece uh, appreciate you joining us tonight thanks very much yeah no problem cheers and uh, keep up the good work Gary hope to see you soon cheers cheers Terry best, thanks Terry. very much Terry Dooley there have one on me it's uh, it's in boxing news. It was a couple of weeks back, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, but it, you can get it online. It's online as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very interesting. It is very interesting. I mean, it's interesting. It's not necessarily a boxing, but I used to go where, during all those early those McGuigan fights. There was a pub called the William the Fourth in Edmonton, which is kind of Irish. A lot of Irish people used to go in there, so I used to go there. More fights outside than inside, no, I imagine. No, but it was it was great, and you'd yeah. go there and watch the McGuigan fights in that pub and it was just electric in there so sometimes you, you just have a pub that gets a good boxing crowd and a well behaved boxing crowd that appreciate it and they, they do it properly and they're worth their weight in gold oh there's not there's nothing like a big pub atmosphere when a big fight's on you know and, and you know some of the big fights now of course um, 
that we see that this is what's the beauty of there was a time when the very very biggest fights were taking place at three and four in the morning because yeah, they were all course. in Las Vegas and you know and it was Ricky Hatton and and um, close Joe circuit TV at the Leicester Square yeah, Odeon exactly. but, but, <laughs> but the thing is now the big fights yeah. are happening here in our time of course yeah in, in our in our that's, in our evening really hours point, yeah. so that you can go now and enjoy the atmosphere more. and I do think that's that's coming back there's a resurgence in being able to go out to watch the big event as opposed to you go out for the evening you come back and then you get on the coffees yeah. to stay awake till four it's in the morning that, it's because our fight fighters are so good we you know it's our exactly. table we can call the shots exactly. um, which is great for exactly. fight fans in this country anyway it's Paul Hawksby and uh, Gareth A. Davis got plenty more to come we're going to talk some uh, MMA two big UFC events coming up over the next couple of months and we'll be uh, chatting about that with Dan Hardy in the final half hour of the show still Snoop Dogg and D.I. D.I. Guess who's back? It's uh, Paul Hawksby sitting in for Adam Cattrall tonight on Fight Night alongside Gareth A. Davis. And uh, we're going to hear from Badu Jack very shortly. We're talking about uh, the losses for George Groves all being part of that experience. And uh, we'll get his thoughts on that fight because uh, Gareth caught up with him recently. Uh, before that, Gareth, we must talk about this fight. This game It's happening at 10 o'clock tonight. £7.50 at Maycosh. If you want to watch... KSI, you're and turning Logan into a proper. Prom- you're turning into. Well, K- I'm just. Sorry, I'm, Logan I'm, I'm Paul not. KSI. Inter- you're turning into a promoter tonight. You've ch- you've done two things. You're starting to do what Catterall does, yeah, <laughs> which is he thinks he's a promoter. He thinks yeah. he put together the World Boxing Super Series. Well, I like the idea. Of, sh- I like the idea of a villa in Portugal and drinking wine while the sun goes down, which oh, we heard t- Frank Warren doing earlier yeah, on. That sounds well, like a good I mean, way to spend your evening. I think it, it is, but I think apart that, you from know, sitting you, here with you, of course. Yeah, but you know, you, there's a lot of pressure on being a pro. You're trying to you're trying to match up Conor Ben against Harley Ben tonight. You, you, you know, you, you're all. It could, it could be on. That's that's. It there you go like. again. Look, promoting it. It could be on. It could be. <laughs> it's this, on. This fight, this fight, KSI Logan Paul. You've got yeah. two. Uh, we had KSI on the show, and he, look, he is incredibly taking incredibly seriously. Oh, you've he's, had him on, of you. We spoke. What's we spoke he like? To, he's look. He's a nice kid. Uh, yeah, and um, he, I think he's kind of grown. We spoke to him a, a couple of years back, and yeah. he was pretty raw. But yeah, what's his he, talent though? Well, um, what do they do? These how do they, what, <laughs> well, you're I mean, sounding like an old man, Gareth, I, and you're talking to an old man. But no, no, think, listen, I'm joking. I know not, what they do. We're not the demographic. We're you, not the no, demographic. I know, I know you don't spend your evenings watching people play FIFA, but a lot of people do. Um, but um, how do you know that? <laughs> so I, I just wonder how you feel about it. I mean, I know you've been writing about it today in, in the Telegraph. Yeah. I mean, is it set a dangerous precedent? Do you worry about um, it, or do you just think? No, I don't worry about it at all. I loved Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. I would have loved the idea but, of know, Wilt, they're, Wilt they're, Chamberlain. They're fighters. That's the difference. This no, is just no, two, two guys who, who kind of makes content Look, there, on YouTube. There's two reasons why I think it works. If you are at school or you not necessarily at work because it happens at schools people are growing up and they're you know they're kind of they 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 their wings are starting to grow two people two blokes want to have a fight at school and they mm. say oh, we're going to have a fight at school everyone turns up to watch don't they mm. um and and that it's in human beings dna now um i think there's two things people we're in a kind of era where you know, like you say, th- these two guys are internet sensations. They, you know, say they're gamers who become YouTubers, yeah. and you know, and Logan Paul did that in heinous thing of going into the the suicide forest, didn't mm. he? And he did uh, made a heinous video, and he became infamous. KSI is kind of loud, and he's and he's and he's watchable. So they're both brilliant marketeers, and I think people love the idea of. People, as I was saying, go back to the schoolyard of settling a dispute over a fight. Mm. It's kind of old-fashioned. And because these guys have such a big following online, 
And because, you know, it's quiet in the media at the moment, you know, uh, apart from Donald Trump and all those kind of things going on. But, you know, it's a quiet weekend in sports terms. You know, if Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury were fighting this weekend, Mm. we wouldn't be talking about it. We'd be talking about that. But I find it interesting. Um, It's not what I particularly want to watch. I don't want to hear KSI saying he's turning pro. No. um, Which he's trying to say now. But, you know, they both look physically good. I mean, they both look physically inept as boxers. I've watched a bit. Of, I have watched a bit of them. There's a bit of windmilling going on, yeah, was there? Yeah, but I mean, I, th- I think it's a bit of fun and they're making a lot of money. Right. I just hope they do something good with it. Um, that's all I say. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? As Frank Warren was talking about earlier, he said, you know, KSI, um, well, I think it was KSI or Logan Paul, they'd actually come to them to ask to be promoted. So, mm. you know, it's it's... It's it's the sports entertainment business. Um, I don't think we should take it seriously in terms of boxing. And I think uh, athletically, as boxers, they'll just be laughable. Although Logan yeah. Paul was a wrestler, wasn't he? Oh, so he was. He wrestled. He wrestled at school. Didn't who you he, got so. tonight? Who you got? Who? Well, I um, I got I, Logan I, Paul. By the way, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll go for KSI just <laughs> in a, a matter of balance. And we may well speak to him on Monday, I would imagine. So uh, if I say he's going to lose, he may not come on. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Let's uh, let's hear from a proper fighter now. Uh, you caught up with Badu Jack, didn't you? Uh, I actually caught up with Don McGuinness. I apologise. He, he, he had a chat with our very own uh, Don McGuinness. And they talked Groves versus Smith. Uh, and indeed, the uh, UK light heavyweight division. There's some good fights mm. and some good fighters out there. So, yeah, Badu Jack with Don McGuinness. I know better be he's a very strong very tough guy so I think I think it's probably going to be a tough fight uh, for the British guy but uh, yeah like I said I, ne- I never I never never heard of him or never seen him fight and another of the British guys that you certainly do know George Groves again not in your division anymore but do you, do you keep an eye on your old opponents he's got a big challenge with Callum Smith in obviously this world boxing super series yeah, I mean, uh, Groves is a good fighter, and, uh, and uh, he got my support, and I, and I believe he's going to win that tournament. And that was a, a, one of the, the, the scalps, if you like, and obviously De Gale's another one who's yeah. he's not going away. And again, what do, you, what do you make of his progress since the, the time you fought? I mean, he's been slowing down a little bit since we fought, obviously. He lost uh, his title, and he, he won it again, and I guess he, he vacated it, right? So yeah, I guess he's looking for a big money fight, a cash-out fight, I mean... If you if you want to come up to light heavyweight, I'm I'm, I'm there. But uh, if not, I wish him all the best. No, oh, you mentioned about the British fight fans at the start of the, this interview. So again, you, you could see yourself making the ring walk here. You could see yourself fighting here, and maybe for one of those belts. I mean, uh, before I retired, I would love to fight here. I would love to fight in the UK. I got a huge uh, fan base here. And just looking at my uh, my social media, like you can see where 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 the biggest fan base. I mean, obviously U.S. because it's bigger. There's too many people that live there. But number two is actually uh, the the U.K. And uh, just a word then, you're over here, Ashley Theofane. Yeah. As a, a pal of yours from obviously the, the Mayweather camp, if you like, is yeah. showing you the sights of, of London town, is he? Yeah, he took me to a place called Nando's yesterday, and uh, it was very good. So, yeah, yeah, he's been showing me around. He's a good dude. Yeah, that's been in the news yeah. lately as well. Did you see yeah. what happened with uh, Deontay Wilder and Billy Joe in Belfast? That was in Nando's as well. Oh, it was? Uh, no, I didn't know that. Something about the chicken, I think. Yeah, I heard he had a fight. To be honest, I, I, I didn't read the whole article about it, but, yeah, he was throwing a chicken at him or something like that, yeah. Yeah, but they they uh, they squash their beef, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. All a bit of fun.
And just then finally, Floyd, how is he? I mean, again, it's, it's exactly a year yeah. since he fought Conor McGregor. Yeah. He's just in good form, enjoying retirement. Is that, is that the idea? Yeah, it looks like he's enjoying uh, retirement. He's traveling all over the world and uh, yeah, he's doing some good things. So, yeah, he, he has a good life. There, <laughs> ba- bad, baddie Jack there uh, with uh, Don McGuinness. And uh, as he was saying, it's, uh, it's an exciting time, isn't it? A light heavyweights in this country. We've got some good fighters. Definitely. I mean, I talked about six heavyweights in the top ten uh, of the world at the yeah. moment. Um, five super middleweights but we've got a developing group of of light heavyweights and I think at the moment I would say the leader is Anthony Yard even though he doesn't hold most of the belts but Anthony Yard is a very physical we haven't seen him against a difficult boxer yet but Anthony Yard what is he 15, 16 and 0 something like that uh, Joshua Boatsy the, the Rio yeah. Olympic Games bronze medalist coming through looks fantastic and very technical and Callum Johnson, who's got massive hands, uh, mm. massive power in his hands, and an amazing story. And he's fighting for a world title in um, in, in Boston on, on October the 6th against Artur Baturbiev, a very, very dangerous punching Russian. But behind that, we've got Hosea Burton, who I'm a huge fan of, cousin of Tyson Fury's, who's up there training with Joe Gallagher in the, uh, in the community gloves gym in Bolton. Um, there's Frank Bullioni. Um, yeah, Frank, one of the yeah. Enfield favourites. Yeah, and Frank, mm. you know, Frank's in the right division now rather than super middleweight, and he was knocked out in a, in a, in a brutal one round fight with fight. Johnson yeah. uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, a month or so ago, and so you know, there's there's a lot of guys coming through, and it's an exciting division. Yeah. Uh, we should talk a bit about Joshua uh, Povetkin as well. I mean, we, we haven't got around to that. It's another huge fight that's uh, that's coming up. Well, I mean, it's very interesting, you know, because. In the last few weeks, since Tyson Fury stepped up and said, I oh, know I'm going to face Deontay Wilder, there's been a kind of an anti, uh, anti-PR drive towards Anthony Joshua. And he's been very quiet. I'd like to see him come out and say a few things. And, you know, the, the, there's no argumentation from him towards people saying, look, you know, you're sidestepping the biggest fights. Mm. Let, let's get this straight, though. Alexander Povetkin is very highly ranked with three of the world governing bodies. He's a two-time drug cheat, um, but he is a very worthy challenger to the title. People are impatient in the heavyweight division right Mm. now. They want to see Anthony Joshua sorely tested, if you like, against the likes of Wilder, against the likes of Tyson Fury. Um, But I think, you know, it's coming you know, and that could be the, on the yeah. next billboard. It's coming. The, he's got to get past this. Sorry, he's yeah. just got to get past this guy first. Mm. Povetkin is a banana skin. Olympic gold medalist, former amateur world champion. Yes, he's 38 now, but he's only ever been defeated by, um, by Vladimir Klitschko. But outside that, he gasses during fights. And I expect Joshua to do a number on him if he's on his A game. What sort of round do you think? Seven or eight or nine Seven, rounds. Or eight, Seven eight, nine He'll rounds. stop him. I think he'll just slowly break him up. I'm, in my view, Rob McCracken, um, is a, who's a very astute coach, a very interesting man. He's lovely to be around. And, you know, he's so consistent. He's so been so brilliant with the Great Britain amateur team Mm. um, over the last, whatever it is, seven or eight years. He is so brilliant. He's so, as I say, consistency and knowledge and perspicacity. He's so meticulous. Um, I think they're trying to create um, a a kind of wall to, to make Joshua fight like a fortress. 
you know, not to expose himself too much. He's a very big, powerful man. Mm. He listens very well. You see him doing his drills on his Instagram videos. And, you know, I think he's he, he, he is technically pretty good. He's good all round. Um, you know, is he vulnerable to big punches? Maybe. Is he vulnerable to Deontay Wilder? Probably. So you think the but, way he fought Parker, maybe we'll see a lot more of that? Well, it depends how other people fight. Parker was quite defensive in yeah. that fight. Um, you know, maybe but Joshua, as a style, you think he'll be. You think he'll have maybe his style. then the Klitschko route. If yeah, you I like. think naturally he wants to fight. We've mm. seen that from him. He, he, you know, Robert Camarelli in the in the final of the Olympic final in London. He really had to go for it. You know, you know, to really dig in deep and bite down his gum shield and go against Dillian White. He came back after a horrific period and was really good against Klitschko. He showed that he can go down and get up, recompose himself, showed heart and stamina and guts and desire and, and a second wind. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I he's, he's a fantastic character. I'd like to see him doing more hmm. with the media and more in the public. Fans don't always agree with me on that, but I think he could do his PR a service at the moment yeah. by just stepping out there a little bit. But Pavetkin is is no foregone conclusion. Okay, just a quick one. Dillian White, you just mentioned there, and he was tweeting last week to Tyson Fury. He says, unlike you, I'll fight anyone. Tyson Fury, you, you refuse to fight me as I knock you down so many times in sparring. Um, so he's basically saying that we should have had a fight on you. You pull out well, in November with yet another fake injury. Listen, I'm, I like Dillian and he's come on brilliantly and I love working with him um, and around him. And, you know, it was he did brilliantly against Joseph Parker. But mm. hang on a minute, Dillian. You know, Tyson Fury absolutely owned Derek Chisora in the ring the last time they fought. Switched to Southpaw, hit him with left uppercuts at will all night, busted him up and forced him to retire on his stool. Dillian, who is developing all the time, had a ding-dong 12-round war in Manchester with Derek Chisora and couldn't put him away. And it was a very close fight, and some of us saw it going the other way. Look, Dillian is a great character. He's one of the top ten... I think he's in the top six, five heavyweights of the world for me. He deserves a shot at a world title. And I do think Dillian has heart, desire, stamina... Um, and he will become a world champion one day. And, and to see him develop um, as a media guy, to work around these guys is a real privilege, but to see Dillian develop as a human being and show deep responsibility for people around him, I think is extraordinary, mm. and I, I applaud him. But I don't agree with him in that on that point. We will finish tonight talking uh, MMA, two uh, huge uh, nights in UFC coming over the next couple of months. And Dan Hardy, of course, a former MMA fighter himself, will join us to look ahead to those. Conor McGregor is back. I'm sure you're very excited about that game. Yeah, of course I am. I mean, you know, he's one of the brilliant stars of the combat sports firmament. And, you know, he's been away far too long. He's been away two years from, from mixed martial arts. And, you know, I mean, I loved the event last year against uh, Floyd Mayweather. It's brilliant to see the two sports coming together. But we also saw that boxing is a very, very different art form to mixed martial arts and you know he was never going to beat Floyd Mayweather he toyed with him and um, you know it, it, it did it did good things for both sports that night but they are two masters of uh, of promotional nous and yeah. but both brilliant stars Conor McGregor is is a fantastic fighter and I think he'll go down as one of the all-time greats eventually but he's got his work cut out in in a in a horrible non-vintage matchup of styles brawler versus <laughs> and, well, and, uh, striker versus wrestler and it can only play out to one of two ways one one 
thinks. But, you know, mixed martial arts, who knows what's going to happen. We yeah. say expect the unexpected in boxing, and it's just the same in mixed martial arts. Former fighter Dan Hardy joins us now. Hi, Dan. Hi, how are you guys? Yeah, we're good, thanks. Good evening, we, Dan. Do you agree with Gareth? Good evening. Do you think it's a, it's, it's not a, it's a clash of styles? That, that, that's an issue? Oh, absolutely. You know, it all, it all comes down to the ultimately the durability of Conor McGregor and his takedown defense. If he can stay away from Khabib, uh, or, or at least uh, you know stay in the fight long enough to to get into the you know maybe third fourth round, or, or at least be able to catch Khabib with a, with a, a sweet left hand. I mean, I think you know McGregor's main advantage is, is his footwork in this one. Khabib just seems to follow his opponents around. So he, the, the idea of cutting the octagon off is, is going to be all in McGregor's hands, and he might be able to walk Khabib onto something. But, we know how tough he is. We know how durable he is. And we've only really seen to be hurt once, and that was the Michael Johnson fight. So there are a lot of questions in both sides, and, it, and that's what makes it so exciting. Absolutely, Dan. Lovely to hear you talking about it with such excitement. I mean, the, the, the one thing that I go back to all the time is, you know, you mentioned Michael Johnson there, and it was the night that, of course, Conor McGregor absolutely eviscerated Eddie uh, Alvarez at Madison Square Garden nearly two years ago now and on that same night on the same card Michael Johnson who's also a lefty a southpaw seemingly hit Khabib at will with left hands early in the bout and then Khabib said afterwards and I don't believe him I just wanted to see what it was like taking those lefts I mean <laughs> yeah, but, it's, but, it, but it does open up that prospect that you know we've seen fear on the faces of a lot of Connor's opponents with them being hit by a left hand they don't see coming because as you say it's his ability to set up things by using his his right hand and then landing his left from weird angles that may give him an opportunity i'm giving him seven minutes in this fight dan mm. you know that's that's i think he's probably got about that long you know yeah i, I think that's a fair assessment i mean it could be it could be a lot like the uh the, the mendez fight depending on how 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 uh, uh plays in the third in the first round You've got to think that, I mean, McGregor's going to be closed down pretty quickly because Khabib against anybody just closed them down because he's got that self-belief of an unbeaten fighter. Even when he has taken shots, he's been able to walk through it. And he has this, I mean, self-belief is the one thing that gets him through punching range a lot of the time and, and, and into his, his, his yard. Once he's got his hands on somebody, he's a master. But when it comes to range management, that's where Conor McGregor's the master and and. You know, those first sort of 60 seconds are going to be really interesting because there's no doubt Khabib's going to be moving forward. It depends what Conor McGregor does with that pressure and how long he can hold it off. I've no doubt that he will get taken down at some point, but if he he does that, I do feel like he will be able to at least survive or get back up. But how long can he do that and which one of these guys fades first? Because it's going to be a frantic pace. One of the things that, um, you know, obviously you fought for the world title yourself against George St. Pierre, one of the legends of the sport. You were a brilliant fighter yourself. Obviously, you're an analyst and a commentator these days and an interviewer for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. One of the things, you know, you'll know this more than anyone, that the, the two years away from, I know he fought against Floyd Mayweather, which was a completely different thing. You know, he reportedly earned 100 million US dollars. I mean, I, I, let me repeat that. He reportedly <laughs> earned 100 million yeah. US dollars for that fight, Paul. Mm. Um, two years away. That's KSI then, money, isn't it? It's exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, two years away, massive earning power. Um, obviously, he's a hungry fighter. Physically, he looks great. But how much... Could, could he have lost? The sport moves on. It evolves mm. so quickly. You know, two years away from MMA, Dan. 
Yeah, absolutely. But then again, you know, he was always a master. He was always a master of one particular thing. You would never see him, you know, show a great deal of his mixed martial arts skill. The, the only fight I can really think think of is the uh, uh, the Holloway fight where he injured his knee and he was forced to take him down a few times. We saw the decent ground transitions there, but he's not really known as a submissions guy. He lines you up for his left hand, and that's that's what he's a master at. We know he fades. We've seen him fade in fights. We've seen him run away from Nate Diaz and looking up at the clock. We've seen him shooting out of panic. You know, can Khabib push him to that point without eating too many left hands in the first place? And will Khabib's self-belief, you know, be, be a detriment to him? Will that force him to walk into punching range, you know, without really considering the dangers? Mm. Mm. It, it is a fascinating one. And I think, to be honest, you know, when you talk about time away from the octagon, I think Conor McGregor is one of those few special athletes that just simply doesn't believe in octagon rust. You know, a lot like like uh, Dominic Cruz, it, it's it's a mentality, and I think fighters can either buy into it or they don't. And and Conor McGregor bought into his own brand more than anybody else in the beginning, and that's where what got him here today. No, I agree. I always say about him, my my catchphrase on him now is that there's genius in his Irish bones, and there really mm. is. I mean, that he just goes, you know, even. Even the throwing the dolly at the bus, you know, and, and the, the, the picture, look, you can't condone what he did. But, you know, the, the moments where he leaves the New York Police Department with his, with, it, with his hands behind his back and, you know, it's almost like a murder trial with pictures of it. But he, he's a master of those kind of ceremonial moments. And I don't think, I think he's got, his butterflies are all in a row and... What's brilliant for, and you look, you work in the sport now, you've worked in the sport a long time, but how good is it for the sport to have him back though? Because he is the biggest star of it. John Jones is away at the moment serving a ban. He will be, be back soon. And there's no doubt that Conor McGregor generates interest, you know, into the mainstream. I mean, do you feel that it's, uh, it, it's exciting just to have this guy back and active again? Oh, definitely. It helps everybody. You know, everybody on this fight card, everybody on the on the same card as Conor McGregor is going to get a lot of attention. It, it benefits everybody. It's going to be a massive card. A lot of people are really excited to see Conor McGregor back. But the, the biggest thing is it kind of lifts a cloud over the rest of the UFC. There's a, you know, there's a bit of anticipation for, for John Jones coming back. There's a bit of anticipation for the idea of Brock Lesnar coming back. But we've been missing Conor McGregor for a long time. A lot of people have been, you know, they were introduced to the UFC through Conor McGregor. And that, that's crazy because, they, you know, that's, that's a very, very young generation of, of MMA fans. But there are a lot of people that are waiting for that return because, you know, he is kind of the, the main reason they tuned into the UFC in the first place. What do you think about um, one of my readings of um, Khabib Nurmagomedov in this? Obviously, he trains in America. He's with Javier Mendes at, at AKA in San Jose. One of the things I thought showed some mental weakness was as soon as the fight was announced that he was saying they're not going to use me as a money fight. I And um, I, I thought his mention of money, even though he'd been saying he wanted to rearrange McGregor's face, was just a sign that he could be seeing this as a money fight as well as an athletic or glory moment for him. Well, I definitely think, you know, he realised he's nearing the end of his career. I think he's even said it a few times himself, you know, probably three, four more fights and then he's done. At 26 and 0, he doesn't have a great deal more more left to prove. You know, if he beats McGregor, the, the likelihood is he's going to be calling for, um, for for GSP. If he doesn't get that, I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up to welterweight and faces whoever wins 
the world to eight title fight between Darren Till and, and Tyron Woodley. Mm. I, I just I think Khabib is here to make an impact. I think once he's be, you know if he if he manages to beat Conor McGregor that'd be a massive impact, and then he can kind of call his own shot. Mm. I do think he'll get the GSP fight. That'll be the most fascinating one, or, or maybe you know maybe people will want to see him against Nick or Nate Diaz. You know they always have a lot of pull. But I think, you know, within within two or three more fights, he'll be done. So I think he's considering the amount of money that he needs to make in the meantime in order for to, for to pay his bills for the rest of his life. Fascinating. Excellent. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. No worries. Thank you, guys. Former MMA uh, World Away fighter there, Dan Hardy. Just a quick word for a Brit, Darren Till. He fights in uh, UFC 228, isn't he? Uh, Later next month, isn't it? September the eighth. Yeah, same yeah. night as Amir Khan. We're, we're commentating on Amir Khan. That really big fight for him uh, in the United States. Tyron Woodley's got an, an incredible resume. Trained by one of my favourite friends and, and favourite trainers, Duke Rufus, uh, the former K1 fighter. Um, it's it's a real challenging fight for him. This he's much taller, Darren Till. He's got a lot of tenacity. He's got to make the weight. Yeah. That's his issue, uh, Paul. Um, but you know, it's a, again. In MMA at the moment, with Conor McGregor and Darren Till about to fight, another great thing for British mixed martial arts as well, and Irish mixed martial arts. It's been great being with you it's been It's been great I loved fun, it so much. I've really enjoyed yeah. it. And we've spoken sort of boxing in little bite-sized pieces over the years alongside Andy, and we've known each other for a long time, so I've really enjoyed having I think having Catter a, will be shaking a, in his a, boots. A constant, he'll be back next week. This was a, a one-off, of course. But I've really enjoyed it, and thank you, Gareth, and we'll catch up with you soon. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 